Hey everyone, welcome to the Shell Games Podcast for the week of June 17th. This is episode number 135, and Shelf Games is your lighthearted look at the games of today and the ones still on the shelf, and we have risen from the ashes like the Phoenix, <laughs> and we are coming back to recap the Electronic Entertainment Expo, E3 2019. I'm your host, John, and joining me this week is my favorite game developer and, uh, pro, you know, a good, good person, fellow Vancouverite, um, and the creator of my favorite mobile game, Idle Golf. Uh, <gasps> David, how you doing? I'm doing great. I didn't even have to ask you to plug my game. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> to be to be frank, like like I I did download your game when you're like, hey, we're prototyping this. You know, it's out in beta. Be great if you guys could check this out. Um, and you know what? I've been fucking grinding on it every day since. Uh, and it is is just addictive fun. It's 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 a a fun little clicker game. I get to watch my my little uh, pros swinging their 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 little hearts out. Uh, the numbers go up, which is fun and exciting. Um, and, and I love that I can just like check in for a couple minutes, put it down and, and then come back tomorrow. And the numbers have been, you know, gotten bigger. Yep. That's it. It's just, just <laughs> see numbers, watch numbers get bigger. And as, as it turns out, humans really like that. We they really like looking do. at numbers yeah. and getting the numbers bigger. <laughs> when you, uh, when you messaged me, um, that you had just got like the day seven, uh, reward or whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, I was legitimately surprised because I hadn't really talked to you about Idle Golf like since I was like, yeah, hey, yeah, hey, you want to try downloading or whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my god, you've been playing this this whole time. <laughs> I just, I just assume most people like fell off or yeah, because because <laughs> like the, the, those daily rewards weren't added until like much much later. So like I'd been I'd yeah, been playing yeah. it for a while. <laughs> yes, yes, we. Uh, yeah, we got we got a pretty good player base going mm-hmm. on now. Uh, we do like the 1.0 build is out. It is no longer in beta officially. It is a launched game on iOS and and Android. Yeah, so it's it's going it's going pretty well. It's going pretty good. I just never expected all the all of the, you know the friends and family that I basically forced into a, playing it in some obligatory way would still be playing it. But there's actually a, a, a handful of people that still are. So it feels nice. good. Well, I mean, good. I, I think I think there, there's a good hook there, right? Like it's it's just a, got a really good, satisfying loop, um, and, and I think that that really speaks to people. So so you done good, and I'm sure your bosses are happy. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, uh, enough shilling. Uh, we're gonna talk about video game advertisements for the next hour or so. <laughs> yeah, enough about us shilling. More about other people shilling. Um, so this is, I think, the first episode in two months. Uh, so I guess I should probably explain that absence. I did note that uh, things were gonna get busy for me uh, as I was wrapping up university. Uh, I have now graduated, and uh, the last month or so has been job hunt, um, and that's been keeping me busy as well along with another side project that I've been uh, procrastinating on terribly, but I'm hoping to have uh, go up uh, sometime late this summer. Um, but uh, that that's all over. Um, I, I was trying to, trying to get into the game business here in town, uh, but ended up uh, landing in another industry. Um, but uh, what's, what's new and exciting on your end, David? What's, uh, what's going on with you? Oh, uh, apart from just like a lot of late nights working on idle golf. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. That's pretty much uh, like, that's, that's a lot of, of what I've been doing. If I'm being mm-hmm. totally honest, been working a lot on idle golf, Feel like a little bit of traveling drove. I, uh, actually a couple weeks ago, I, I, I drove to a wedding in interior BC. And then the next weekend I drove 
or I drove to a bachelor party in interior BC. And then the weekend after I drove to, uh, Southern Alberta for the wedding itself. Mm -hmm. Um, which means that in, in the course of about seven days, I drove about 4,000 kilometers because oh, <laughs> I just like drove back and forth. Yeah. Uh, both times. So I, I had my, my family in town visiting over my graduation oh, yeah. and I, and I feel like I drove that much in this city, just like going to all the things that we were doing and then doing all the touristy stuff and visiting family. It was just, and gas out here ain't cheap. Let me tell you. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I filled up. Like we we waited till like the last possible moment when we were leaving Alberta to come back here to fill up because mm-hmm. it's it's legitimately like twenty five percent cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not a small amount. <laughs> um, but that's exciting. Weddings are always yeah. uh, fun um, or disastrous. I guess it depends on the type of wedding that you wind up at. This one was really fun. Okay. Um, uh, me and and the the groom and the bride and the bridesmaids and the groomsmen we've all been friends for you know years, um, have all been to each other's weddings kind of a thing. So it was just like a big reunion. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst part was that it was uh it was an outdoor wedding. It was about thirty two degrees outside, no Oof. clouds, and we were wearing black suits. Mm-hmm. And we, God, we were just just a bunch of like white ginger boys. No, out in that sun, we're gonna we're gonna pass the fuck out. (laughs) But yeah, also in that family, they have a whole bunch of very very talented musicians, and so at the reception, there's a bunch of people like just doing live music performances, and they're all really good. Nice. Uh, Me and me and a couple other people also did a live musical performance. Um, I I didn't know that you were musically talented. I've I've done I've done some some of of that music. I don't know that you would call talent the thing that we did. We did a cover of uh, um, "Business Time" by Flight of the Concords. Okay. Um, if anybody knows that, just go check it. Check that out. Flight of the, Flight of the Concords, "Business Time." It's a very good song. But yeah, I mean that that was that was that was a lot of the the last few weeks is just like driving around and wedding and wedding related stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was very tiring, but also really fun. So that, that's that's okay. Nice, nice. That's good to hear. Um, so let's let's get down to the business uh, at hand here. Uh, and like I said, that is of course video games. Uh, but before we get to E3, uh, let's uh, maybe quickly mention some of the stuff that we're putting on the shelf in the month to come. So games that are going to be coming out in July. We've got Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers on July 2nd. Stranger Things 3, the game, uh, coinciding with the release of that newest season on July 5th. Uh, sea of Solitude, which is a really cool indie game being published by EA, also on July 5th. Uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2 on July 12th. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 on July 19th on the N- Nintendo Switch. Uh, also on the Switch, Fire Emblem Three Houses on July 26th. And uh, the the one that I'm probably most looking forward to in July, Wolfenstein Youngblood on July 26th. Uh, anything in that list there, David, that, that catches your attention? Anything that you're really looking forward to? Uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses I've been mm-hmm. looking forward to. Um, I've been playing my Switch um, really not a, a whole lot lately. Um, I finished Let's Go Pikachu a little while ago. Um, I haven't finished Breath of the Wild, but I kind of putting that one on hold for a mm-hmm. bit. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I still love it, but it's just, you know, it's, it's a lot <laughs> it's to so get much. into. Yeah. Um, so coming back to the Switch for, you know, a fun, fun tactics game. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I played the Fire Emblem 
mobile game uh, a little while ago, which was, we talked about that on, on another podcast I'm on. Uh, but we, uh, that game was fine, but mostly it just made me want to play a fully fleshed out Fire Emblem game. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that this is coming out because I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, miss some, I, I, I miss some tactics action. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed your conversation on the Monday Mobile podcast. Um, Just talking all my shit today. T- yeah, t- talking about <laughs> uh, that uh, that Fire Emblem game. I, I always enjoy listening to your conversations about all the games on mobile that I'm not going to play. Um, <laughs> but but again, it's <laughs> also conversations enough. You yeah, just, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Get it. But but it's also <laughs> like uh, really fascinating to hear it from like a developer standpoint as mm. as well. Um, but yeah, I, I've never really had any experience with the fire emblem series, but I appreciate that people appreciate it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. I've I've never really played it before either. Um, But it really was that the one thing that mobile game did really, really well is that the, of course it's a hero collecting game. And Mm -hmm. as people who are fans of the fire emblem series, know, there are a bazillion characters in that, universe right Mm -hmm. um but in the mobile game you kind of get to see them all at once in one place because you're collecting all of them and you're collecting a ton of them um and that it's actually just a really great advertisement i guess for lack of a better word for the fire emblem uh franchise because i i was just looking at all these characters and even though i wasn't a huge fan of the mobile game and and uh you know kind of the core toy of that game um i was looking at all these characters i was like these some these are cool characters. I went like, what game is this from? And I'd look and I'd be like, mm. oh, like the like this is what this game character or this is the game that this character is from. This is the game that this character is from. This is kind of what they're about. And it's like, oh, like there's a lot more there than I guess I kind of thought there was. And so it, it got me interested in it. So as a result, now I'm I'm have been looking forward to Fire Emblem Three Houses, even though like I haven't in any realistic way kind of interacted with a you know a a full fire emblem game before. So, yeah, yeah, I guess that's, that's the thing, right. Is, is getting that brand recognition out there. Um, and I, and I think our friends at Ubisoft have taken a page out of Nintendo's book here and we'll, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but, uh, let's maybe talk about some of the games that we're taking off the shelf, uh, before we dive into all the E3 news. Uh, David, what have you been playing in, I guess the last two months since we did one of these the podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> As, as always on the back burner, just in case anybody was wondering, absolutely still playing Rainbow Six. That's mm-hmm. just never stopped. Um, yep. But <laughs> uh, in between bouts of Rainbow Six, I've actually, um, I think the last podcast I really talked about it was like the year end one where I talked mm-hmm. a lot about Assassin's Creed Origins. I have moved on to Assassin's Creed Odyssey now. Uh, and put like well over a hundred hours into that game. And of course I'm nowhere near to finishing it because they, I don't think they ever, ever, ever want you to finish that game. <laughs> wow. Um, but it's, it's a ton of fun. I, I think it is, um, it's kind of rough to start. It's got some weird pacing issues in the beginning, uh, just in how, uh, they introduce the mechanics to you. It, they do one of these things where like you're seven hours into the game and then they pull a title card on you. And you're like, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, this was all prelude, I guess, but, yeah. uh, which is more just causes an eye roll than anything else. But other than that, uh, definitely once you get into the game, it is kind of like Origins, like you had said with, uh, Origins before. It's just a real gamey kind of game mm-hmm. with just a bunch of really highly polished, 
um, easy to understand, but kind of complex and deep systems that are just fun to interact with. It is just power fantasy, the game. You just, you know, fuck off and do your thing mm-hmm. um, with some just lots of fun stories. You know, the quests that are multi-step quests or the quests that are just like a little fetch quest, but somebody wrote some funny dialogue for it. You know, that game is full of all kinds of flair and attitude from some group of mission de- mission designers somewhere in the world <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so really like that uh the other thing i was actually have went back and, and played a whole bunch of was uh command and conquer four. Oh um, wow when did that come out um i i don't know i think i was in like first year university i think this is oh, like geez. eight years ago or nine years ago wow Oh my god, it's 2019. First year university <laughs> was 10 years ago. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh no. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it came out a long time ago. Um, and I remember it was very poorly received. Um, I certainly did not like the story. I certainly, looking back at it, still don't like the story. Um, but it was really interesting to go back and play it because... Um, a lot of the complaints about uh, Command and Conquer 4 gameplay-wise, because of course that game was a huge departure from the previous Command and Conquer games, which were um, much slower paced, much more about base building, um, building up big armies, gaining control over uh, resource fields in kind of a, you know, your typical RTS. You'd be familiar with it in any Command and Conquer or StarCraft or whatever kind of game. Uh, and changed it towards, you know, you had those, I don't know if you ever played it, but those, uh, they had mobile MCVs, um, which is your like home base. Okay. And so instead of being about base building, you had this mobile base and the, just got a bunch of sirens behind me here. It's just real downtown Vancouver right there. Right yeah, now. <laughs> sure is. Um, so. What was I saying? Right. Mobile MCBs. So your base actually moves around and you're not actually locked into, I'm, I'm just going to wait for this. It's just like, right, <laughs> it is on my street directly behind me. So you have mobile MCVs <laughs> and uh, you actually move your base around it. So it's less about base building and they removed the fields of resources and it's more about capturing um, actual like resource, uh, like basically chunks of Tiberium and bringing them back to your base. Okay. Um, and you have, you know, your base has these hero abilities, basically. And so you, and there's three classes of base that you can use. And each one of them has a different set of units that it can build and a different, uh, you know, there's an offensive one, which is, you know, your tanks and your walkers and that sort of thing. And it, it's a walker itself and it's got a cannon on it. And then you have your support MCV, which is all your air units and it flies and has a whole bunch of support abilities and stuff. And then you have a defensive one, which you can actually build turrets and other kind of defenses from, but your mm-hmm. base moves around. So you move around the map building defenses and turrets and stuff. And it's typically played in 2v2 or 3v3. So you can actually have a team uh, of these MCVs and you can kind of work together and, and do it that way. And it's very much about area control. Mm-hmm. Um it reminded back then it seemed such a departure and people really didn't like it. And I went back and played it now. It, it plays very much like you would like a lot of modern games do. Okay. Like I go back and play that game. I'm like, I think this game was actually ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. 
now that I play it. Like it, like it's, it's mechanics and, and just the way that it plays would absolutely be at home in any sort of, uh, modern, uh, RTS, even sort of has class based sort of esportsy feel to it that, mm. um, games hadn't before. And so it was really interesting to go back and, and play it kind of and look at it in that light. And, and I definitely liked, now I liked the multiplayer of it way more than I did when I played it uh, when it first came out years ago. Yeah, it's, um, it's 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 interesting how sometimes a game's idea can can be ahead of its time in in that way, and it just doesn't find the audience that it would because you know it was released too early or it was released too late. I mean, we see more examples of the release too late than we see released too early. But but it got mm-hmm. me really thinking about. Um, just the, the, the other game that I wanted to bring up, which was uh, Warframe. And I think mm-hmm. I've talked about it on the podcast a couple of times, trying to be like, oh, yeah, I'll check out this weird, like, free-to-play uh, space ninja MMO, <laughs> but more Destiny-like type game. And it, it always seems like this weird, indiscernible thing, you know? And uh, the last time I tried to get into it, I... I put, I sunk a lot of time, like maybe like 20 ish hours and I ended up bouncing off for one reason or the other. I probably got busy or something like that. But, uh, just in the last few weeks, you know, you know, came up in the zeitgeist, like, Oh, we got new content coming out and people are talking about it. And so I decided to check it out again. And I think I finally kind of get it. Like, like, I think I finally understand what the loop of that game is outside of the, like, like the actual like uh, playing of a mission in Warframe is is very satisfying. It's like the movement feels great. You're you're jumping around. You're doing what they call bullet jumping, which is like you kind of like torpedo jump in a straight line, and you like chain that together with other like double jumps and and slides and things, so that your your movement is very fast through a level. And it's like a lot of like shooting and melee combat. Um, but I kind of like finally understand all or not all the systems i'll say some of the systems around that core loop that sort of keep the player invested in terms of like progression and like um working towards better equipment and and new weapons and new what they call frames or i guess new you know different classes um and so so i've been watching some like new tutorial videos and like you know diving into the wikis and i'm just like oh okay (laughs) this is what that game is it's like okay I need this part, so I'm going to go do this type of mission. I'm going to wait until it drops, and then I can build this thing that I need for this other thing. And it's it's just this very very long sort of um, uh, loop of like okay, or, or actually no, it's not a long loop. Well, ugh, fuck, it's hard to explain. It's like it's like a lot of little short loops all contained within this bigger loop, right? It's like short loop, go on the mission, get resources to feed this other bigger loop of progressing to like what your next big item is, right? Um, and it's entirely, entirely free to play, which is fascinating. It's also like built on the bones of what Warframe was six years ago, uh, six, seven years ago. And like, just a different game. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And like, so they're always adding like wild new systems. Like they have two or three new big open world sections. They added fishing. There's like these like weird, like, like, um, uh, fishing. Yeah, they added fishing to like one of their open world sections, like, and like like literal. Yeah, fi- like like you, with you, a rod, you're fishing. You, you as a space ninja in your armor go to a pool of water and fish for alien fish, and then you take them back to a vendor, 
and then you do something with them. I don't know. I haven't gotten that far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> and, and like, there's like these weird, like, um, what would you call it? Like, uh, like arcade sort of, uh, flying shooting type levels. Um, but now they're also adding like legit space combat on top of that. Um, and it's just like the, the, the art style is so out there and so weird that it has this weird appeal. Um, and uh, like I, every time I fucking look at it, I'm just like, there's, there's something strange about this game, but I'm also kind of drawn to what is there. Um, and, and I'm also realizing that I, I like games where I can just chill out and do something very, very simple. Like you were talking about, um, AC Odyssey and, and Assassin's Creed Origins and how like those are very, very gamey. And mm-hmm. I'm realizing, I'm kind of like looking at some of our notes here in this podcast document. I'm realizing all the games I wanted to talk about are all games to service and they, they're all gameplay focused. None of them are really story focused. Um, there's not, you know, there is narrative, but it's not the main conceit or it's not what you're doing in like 15 and 30 minute chunks. Um, and I don't know. I, I just feel like I am like when I was, when I was a kid, I love story games. And now that I'm an adult, I'm just like, yeah, I just want to play a game of magic real quick, you know? Like, I just want to play a match of Siege and then log off and then go go about my day. Um, so, like, I, you know, we were talking a lot about Assassin's Creed, and your your discussions of it on our Game of the Year stuff got me to to, to really invest in Origins and try and sink some time into that game. And I, I like it. I think it what what what's there is awesome. But at the same time, I would, like, boot up and I would fire up a mission and be like, oh, this is awesome. I can just bang out this mission, like... 10 minutes real quick, get on with my day. But then there'd be like story on either side and like people would be talking and be like, oh, fuck, I just don't want to listen to any of this. Um, and and so I ended up like kind of realizing, oh, there's gonna be like another 100 hours of this. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm okay. I'll, I'll just go back to magic or, or whatever else that I'm doing. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I, like, where are you at as a quote unquote gamer when it comes to the, to, to, you know, games of service or like narrative games, because again, I think like you also really focus on stuff that has like really good gameplay loops. Um, I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. I think in general, that's just a, there's kind of two sides of this. One is that the like core gamer air quotes demographic you want to, uh, that would be interested in, in, Warframe and magic and siege and Dota and that kind of stuff. They're getting older. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you're, you're saying that, you know, as a kid, he likes playing, you know, these really long form narrative games. Well, as a kid, he had time to, yeah. you know, it, we, you know, as, as, as you grow up, you just have less time for, for that kind of stuff. And so it is just, you know, as that demographic, as that core demographic gets older, um, it is going to tend more towards, um, you know, something that you can just kind of like play here and there when you have the time to play it and you're not going to be behind or left out or, or have to like think, Oh my God, what, what happened in this story for the last four hours? Cause <laughs> yeah. it's been two weeks since I've played it. Um, that sort of thing. The other thing is that just having games like that, um, makes it more accessible to everybody, mm. right? Like it does, you can be, a veteran player who has played a thousand hours of a game, or you can be brand new to the game. You guys are both playing the same game. You're in, I mean, like relatively speaking, you're both playing the same game. Obviously you're probably playing on a very different levels, but Mm -hmm. um, you can both play it. You can both jump in. Um, Certainly when it comes to multiplayer games, you don't want to have 
a super long investment time. That was always a complaint about PUBG because you'd be playing that game for like 45 minutes to an hour and then just get sniped from wherever and then that yep. was just wasted time can, um, can i can i interest you in a game called dota 2 <laughs> uh, well yeah <laughs> and 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 some decide to be hardcore and not go for short round length but um but even even then like you can you can sit down and say i'm going to play a game yeah, yeah, this yeah. evening right and that's going to be my game um and of course game games like that are long enough that they're actually kind of broken into smaller engagements so even if you lose um, likely you killed somebody or you had a mm-hmm. cool experience or something happened, yeah. right? That you can look to for enjoy <laughs> for some kind of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And I mean, the free to play games as a service thing. I mean, that's just, again, that's how you make it accessible. That's how you get people in the door playing your game. It's tough to sell people on spending. I was about to say 70 bucks, but I came to like 80 bucks now. You know, mm-hmm. by default, mm-hmm. right? That's a that's a lot of money to spend on a game if you're not sure if you're going to. It's going to be like Assassin's Creed, and you're going to get you know eight hours of gameplay before you even get to the title card, <laughs> or if you're going to spend seventy or eighty bucks on a game and you're going to get like six hours of content and like some you know half baked multiplayer, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't you don't know you don't know until you get in to the game and start playing. And of course, there's reviews and and such, but you know you. You don't know until you buy it. And so free to play is just a way for you to try the game and see what you like about it. Um, but then that's, that's going to lend itself to a game that is session based. That is, um, something that you can just drop in and out of, which is kind of counter to like, not narrative because of course, you know, games like, like Overwatch, I think is a great example of a game that is, has, effectively no nothing that you would describe as an actual narrative or story mode and yet that game is full of story Mm -hmm. right because they've just done a very good job of balancing kind of those two things um but it's still not like whatever the hell death stranding is gonna be (laughs) where i'm gonna like talk about taking two weeks off and trying to figure out what's going on the cutscene is gonna end and i'm gonna sit there and be like what the fuck am i watching (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's, I, I definitely, like you were saying, like free to play is, is obviously a very, very low barrier to entry. And it's a great way to get people in just to try your, your, your game, your product and, and sort of see if they like it. Um, and, and, and you're right. Like as long as you have enough sort of on, on the outside that, that makes it enticing, you know, you don't have to have a very compelling narrative as long as the set dressing is nice, right? Yeah, you need you need to have a you need to have a consistent and cohesive and compelling theme. Mm-hmm. Like people need to be able to buy into the fantasy of your game, but you don't need to actually tell you know a beat by beat story with dialogue and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm just like really lamenting my my changing tastes as as someone who enjoys video <laughs> games. I've probably talked about this like ad nauseum on on the show before, but like I downloaded. Um, uh, Outer Wilds, because I'd I'd been hearing hearing so many great things about it, and Outer Wilds is like a, it's like a exploration type game. Uh, I I don't really want to say too much because there's a huge spoiler like at the at the front of that game, um, <laughs> that that is sort of also a a core gameplay loop. Um, 
but it's really cool. You kind of start on this little planet and, you know, everything is really quaint. Uh, and then you have this like space spaceship that's like made out of wood and it's like duct taped together. Oh, I've, I've totally, yeah, I've yeah, seen you, that game. You know that game looks about? adorable. Yeah. yeah. And then, so you launch and then you can go to the moon, you can go to some other planets and you're trying to figure out this mystery and it's, mm-hmm. it's really, really cool. But I started playing it and I got a couple hours into it and I'm just like, like, I'm still going to play it. I, I think it's interesting. I, I want to finish it. I want to see what, what it's all about. But I'm also like, I was playing it and I'm just like, okay, like there's probably, uh, you know, like 15 hours of game here. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's, I, I just look at that. And even like, like think about something like an Assassin's Creed is like a hundred plus hours. I'm like, fuck man, I can't even, I can't even think about that. But then, and I'm, I'm like, Outer Wilds, okay, it's this tight package. It's like 15 to 20 hours. I'm just like, damn, that's a lot, though. <laughs> you know, I'm just like sitting there and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I can kind of go and slowly explore and talk to people and, and figure out this mystery in this in this little solar system and, and have a cool experience. But I'm also like, oh, I could also just like fire up Magic the Gathering and like grind on that ranked ladder a little bit and like bang out my dailies and get a couple of packs you know like bang out my dailies maybe that's what, maybe that's what the conversation is here is that when you look at a game like outer wilds you know that it's overall a shorter experience but you don't know when you're going to get that gratification and we've played so many free-to-play games that are short mm. session based free-to-play mm. games that we're used to even if we spend thousands of hours in that game we're used to getting that little dopamine drip that little compulsion loop hitting us within a shorter amount of time. And so you know you're going to get inherent, like instinctively, you know you're going to get some level of satisfaction at a given, you know, time investment when it comes to magic, when it comes to these other shorthanded games. I know that when I play Rainbow Six, win or lose, I'm going to be ending a game in, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, When I play a game like that, I don't know when that gratification is going to come. Right. Um, so you're kind of in just inherently less likely to invest fucking sirens <laughs> uh, <laughs> just less likely to invest in that because subconsciously you're like, well, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be yeah. worth my time or not. But, but, but the thing with, uh, you know, free to play games or even like competitive games that, you know, we like to talk about a lot here, like uh, Dota or Rainbow Six or, or what have you, uh, is, is that they're very good at giving you those highest highs, but also those lowest lows. <laughs> um, <laughs> like we were playing a little bit this last Rainbow Six season. I, I wasn't playing as much as I should have been, but, uh, I hit the highest I've ever hit in Rainbow Six, which is gold one. So I was like, no. a hair's br- breadth or hair's width away from platinum, um, which is, you know, just sort of, I guess, like, it's obviously not, like, at the, at the same level as, as a lot of professionals, which is diamond, but, like, platinum is kind of, like, it's kind of sort of saying, like, you play this game a lot, and you're just slightly better than the majority of folks, you know? Yeah. It, it's kind of, like, platinum is kind of, like, a, a, a signifier that, like, you take this game seriously, right? Yes. Um, so I was so close, so close. And I think you were this, in the same boat this last season. I was also, I was also gold one and I was yeah. one game, I was one game of RP away from same, being platinum. Same. And I just, <clears throat> I, I queued with the folks that I, I, I know I want to queue with because I know they'll carry me there the rest of the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we just had like two, three bad games in a row and I went from like gold one to gold three. And I was just yep. like, I hate this game. I want to uninstall it. I never want to play it again. Um, but yeah, it, it's just interesting how, uh, 
not not just competitive games, but but those free to play games, like you were talking about, like they give you that instant gratification. Um, but like that that dopamine rush is just like it, it's it's very quick and and like you can crash real hard when it doesn't go your way. It drains you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I don't know. Did you want to talk about anything else with uh, with regard to the stuff that we were playing or or the stuff that we were talking about here? Oh no. Let's let's. <laughs> 45 minutes in here let's dive into the topic of the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the topic podcast. of the show oh geez yeah. uh e3 uh obviously it is um you know the, the the time of year where we everyone comes together and we get lots of news uh about uh what is to come uh you know in, in the next year or two with regard to the video game industry uh but seemingly e3 has started to lose a little bit of relevance the last couple of years um, I, I don't know if you sort of feel the same way, but this E3 in particular, and I know people were even talking about this last year, but this E3 specifically felt like a kind of a, not a bit of a letdown, but like it just felt like, yeah, okay, sure, that's that's what you got, I guess. All right, yeah, cool. All right, let's let's move on because you know so many people are doing their own thing. Like Sony wasn't even at E3 this year. That you know they they have the PlayStation experience. Um, Microsoft, I think, had a strong showing, but but to be frank, like. Most companies, I think, will just host their own event, you know, have their own live stream, put up a YouTube trailer so that they can kind of own the news cycle for whatever week it is that they're, you know, putting that stuff up. Or like, you know, like um, uh, Kojima with Death Stranding, they'll get their stuff out of the way before E3 even comes around. So so what we're sort of like, I, I mean, we don't have to get into this too, too, too much before we dive in, but like what we're, did you sort of feel that like this E3 was kind of, you know, uh, maybe not as strong as years past. Absolutely. Yeah. The looking, cause I watched all the, um, all the, uh, pressers that they, um, that were streamed. And, uh, at the end of it, I mean, I, I had my little, uh, my little, uh, note list open and I was writing games down, um, that I was really interested in. Uh, and I ended up with three games. Oh, like wow. After all those press conferences, there's three games that I was like, oh, I'm kind of interested in that. And somebody asked me what games I was interested in uh, a couple of days after. And I looked at my list and and one of the games on my list, I couldn't even remember what it was. <laughs> but I wrote it down. And I was just like, wait, yeah. what was this again? And yeah. um, and so, yeah, that like that alone just tells you what this E3 was like is I, you know the vast vast there's a couple of reasons for this one you're right like i think it is losing relevance i think that a lot of people are re, a lot of companies are realizing that it is a lot of money to spend on people just you know making memes about your cringy moments mm-hmm. you know like i really don't think this is the case but i have heard people say that sony didn't do one this year because everybody made so much fun of them because of the flute guy last year <laughs> That's not. That's for sure not the case. But it, no, it kind no. of feels like that, right? Yeah. You know, they they sit I, there and they're like, you know, we spend millions of dollars. They must spend millions of dollars, you know, getting those yeah. pr- their productions right. It's a full, you know, live production ready. Yeah. Um, and what do you gain from it, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I and, mean, and- I, I still watch that video of Jamie Foxx and Zac Efron at the EA presser last year coming out oh, in a cloud of smoke. It's super duper high, which is like yeah, literally my best E3 moment to this day. Jamie Foxx. 
Zac Efron. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little cloudy. In the building, it's the lights. Yeah, it's the lights. Uh, yeah. So Jamie, Zach, tell me a little bit about what you guys plan on taking into the battlefield with Battlefield One. I plan on taking uh, courage and hemp. Hemp. <laughs> I don't know. Um, swagger and courage. Yeah, there you go. Swag, courage. Now a lot of these guys have been talking a lot of trash, saying you know they're, they're gamers, they're big time into it, they're ready to just take on whatever challenges. Are you guys planning on, you know, delivering some serious fight for your individual teams? Oh, that's what it's all about. You know, so it's competitive. I mean, we, we have a competitive nature, so you know we're gonna have fun, but at the same time, you know, we out there to win. We're not out here just to be having people take take our pictures and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I want to win for sure. I, I wish join. you the best of luck, I sir. I wish you the best of luck as well, brother. <laughs> All right, we're going to go find Wiz Khalifa and make this day go yeah. a little smooth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you guys, thank you very much. Right. It's a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Enjoy thank your you. time playing the game. All right, see yeah, so like, I think that there's some confusion, and there has been for a long time, because this isn't the first period of time where ea has kind of had a low point right you know the Mm. the question of what is ea and what is its role in this industry um has kind of been an ongoing question with you know a little bit more and a little bit less emphasis being put on it given uh the year because originally what 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 e3 is is it's a trade show right that's what it is originally like you, you would go there as a company you know and like like Walmart would have a booth mm-hmm. and the company would, you know, some rep from Sony would go to some rep from Walmart and they'd be like, we want you to stock, you know, this many million copies of our game, right? It was a, like, it was an industry trade show. Um, you go and look at, you know, the press conferences from years and years ago and they're talking like Sony's talking about like sales figures and shit. They're not really announcing games. It's not yeah. a fan event and that's never what it was. Um, and then it kind of over time in order to stay relevant became a fan event but then in the age of the internet, that's not really... Because before, you know, it would be like journalists and stuff going there. And in a pre-internet or at least a pre-high usage internet age, we would wait for all the journalists to go and then buy all of our, you know, Nintendo Power and OXM magazines, mm-hmm. right? In order to hear what all the journalists yeah. had learned about at EA about, or at E3 about what was coming up. But that's, that's not really the case anymore. So all of these companies are like, well, you know, what is the point of this? Everything is about digital distribution now. Uh, we don't have to rely on, like, are there even gaming magazines anymore? Like, is uh, there, are there any? <laughs> there, there's there's <laughs> definitely a couple, but but you're right. You know, they, they've definitely lost relevance with regard to breaking news, right? Um, you know, g- gone, are, gone are the days of, like, where you announce your game in a magazine, right? Yeah, so so what is what is the purpose of E3 is the big question. And I don't know that anybody has a really strong answer. And I think people like Nintendo and Sony have come right out and said that there is no purpose to E3 for them anyways. <laughs> yeah. um, the other part of this is that this is kind of a, I don't know if you want to call it like a gap year. Next year, there are going to be consoles coming out. And so nobody has a ton to announce this year because they are waiting for next year. I think. Yes, absolutely. I think a, I think a lot of companies are waiting to announce all. They're probably working on a bunch of next gen titles right now, and they're going to wait mm-hmm. until next year because they're going to be announced announced as launch titles for whatever Project Scarlet ends up being, for whatever the PS5 ends up being, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so this is this is 
like on top of all those other things, I think this is also just an awkward year because it's it's the year before the year that they're going to go into the next generation. So everybody's yeah. kind of holding their cards a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I think uh, the the folks that really kicked that off um, this year uh, were Google, right? With the with the announcement of um, Google Stadia, which which again yes. is sort of announcing something before it's going to hit. Um, because if I'm not mistaken, like people aren't going to be getting their hands on Google Stadia until either late this year or early next. Um, and, you know, Google is really uh, doubling down on, you know, this streaming future. Um, so, uh, th- you know, they announced this this last March, um, and-, and now they're talking a little bit about details. Um, so, so basically with Google Stadia, all you're going to have to do is plug in a Chromecast or, you know, have some sort of app on your television or on your phone or, or whatever else. Uh, and you're not going to require an actual console or an expensive PC, and you'll be able to stream uh, video games to whatever device you're going to be using it on. Uh, so they announced that their base subscription is going to be 10 uh, US uh, per month. Uh, with a, a free version planned for next year, and I don't know what that means. And I think this is this is the big thing with with a lot of these announcements and a lot of stuff that Microsoft talked about as well with um, uh, Project X Cloud, um, and even with with um, with their new console is like they say a lot of stuff without saying a lot of stuff. You know? Um, yeah. They they sit there and talk for thirty minutes, and then you go, wait, what? Well, yeah, can, yeah. You didn't give like, me any details. Somehow. Like, like, like Google also announced a Founders Edition, which is going to be available for one hundred and thirty dollars um, this yeah. November. Um, but it's going to be like, like they're going to be rolling this out in like dribs and drabs. You know, like there's going to be a, a Stadia Pro subscription, but I'm not entirely sure what that entails and what you get with that. The Stadia Pro, I do know the answer to that. The Stadia Pro subscription will give you. Um, kind of like, uh, other companies have done this where you get a free game every month. Okay. That is, that is like your game to keep forever or f- for as long as, y- you know, digital services, mm-hmm. you never actually own anything, but, uh, um, yeah. Okay, like I'll, it, I'll, yeah. Also, I'm seeing here that, that, uh, that pro subscription will allow you to do 4k, uh, resolution yeah. at 60 frames a second as well. Yeah. Um, they have a little bit of a handy chart here that uh, sort of shows off like, oh, hey, if your internet connection is this speed, this is what you'll be able to get. Um, you know, the, the recommended minimum is 10 megabits per second, uh, which will allow you to do at least 720p. Um, but again, like Stadia is for a very specific consumer, you know, someone that does have good internet access and but- uh, we've, we, we talked on the show before in the past about like how the infrastructure, at least in North America, just isn't quite there yet for a lot of consumers. So I, you you say that this is for a consumer that has a very good internet connection. Does that consumer not also have a high end PC and or console? Like, I don't know who this is for. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like this is ostensibly for, for the casual gamer, for the person who uh, like, like wants to get into AAA gaming, but for some reason has been prevented from getting into AAA gaming mm. so far. But that person also doesn't have a good, in, like needs to have a good internet connection and care about AAA gaming, but not have a console or a high end PC. Like, yeah. like I don't know what the demographic is here. Yeah. I, I, because the casual gamer who doesn't have any of those things and doesn't want to just play mobile games, um, do they want this? 
Is this something that they care about? Do they have the internet connection to support it? it like those are, I, yeah. at the end of the day, I don't know what what subset of society they are targeting with this product. Yeah, you make a really really good point because you know you're totally right. Like if you know if I have a good internet connection, I, I probably already have something that makes use of it. Right? Um, I can almost see them rolling this out and kind of like future proofing for when you know, legitimate 5G gets rolled out across, you know, large swaths of, of North America. But like, I also mm-hmm. feel that that's kind of like a bad bet to take because it's it's going to take a while before that is easily accessible by, by you know, uh, you know, vast majorities of the population. And, and like, by that time, are they going to have found an audience, right? With, with those existing folks that already have the, the, you know, the fast internet connections and, and the high end setups and whatever else. Um, yeah. And, and like, you know, like the barrier to entry is low, like the controller is $70. Uh, I think you can all, all use other blue, uh, Bluetooth, uh, controllers if you yeah, have you, those. You can. If it's a Bluetooth controller, you can use it with this apparently. Mm-hmm. The only thing mm-hmm. you actually need is like, is a, um, is a Chromecast or a um, castable device. Mm-hmm. But like at, at the same time, I'm like still confused by their pricing model. It's like, okay, there's, there's a subscription service, but you don't necessarily get all the games with that. You still have to buy a lot, a lot of the new ones a la carte, um, which I think kind of, well, I don't want to say feels bad, but like if you're going to do a subscription service, like do a subscription service, you know? Um, and at the same time, you know, they've only announced a small handful of games that aren't available other places. Like a lot of the stuff that they're doubling down on is like Ubisoft stuff, like Ghost Recon and like Baldur's Gate and Assassin's Creed and Final Fantasy 15. And it's just like, I have other places to play those games. So again, if they're going to try and like, okay, we're going to try and target people who are already gamers to at least get a base before, you know, the the general population starts to pick this up once infrastructure starts to catch up. It's like, yeah, but like, you're not giving me a good enough reason to invest this early. Yeah, exactly. Like this is, this is new early technology, which means that you are effectively targeting enthusiasts, mm-hmm. right? The kind of people who are, who are going to buy, um, an, you know, the first generation of an Oculus, not because they think it's going to be the best game console ever, but because they just think it's cool, right? right. You know, um, but at its core, that's not actually the audience who would be able to make use of this in, in any sort of wide marketable sense. The only reason I can think that they're starting to talk about it right now is because they also think that a console generation is going to come out next year and they might be trying to get people into this and say this is an alternative to buying the next console that we know you're probably gonna buy right maybe i don't know yeah it's 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 definitely gonna be interesting to sort of watch and sort of see how this plays out but um for, for now i i just don't feel that google is making a good enough case for existing uh game enthusiasts to invest in 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 this platform at least not at the start Definitely not. I mean, like, I think this is super cool. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I love the idea of it. I, 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 they're talking about all that stuff. I'm like, man, that is um, that's um, if it works the way they say it works. Which, yeah. according to reports of like independent reports, are saying like it does pretty well work the as well as they say it does. Yeah. 
Um, like, like they had fucking Doom 2016 running on Stadia, and like yeah. that is that is a game where if the frame rate drops, you notice. And people, like you said, yes. people have, have been saying this is incredible. Exactly. So, like the technology, I think it's the technology is amazing. It's talking about all the games I like. It's saying all the right words. But I look at the list of things. And it's like I literally own most of the games that you're talking about, and mm-hmm. I'm going to play them on my PC. Yeah, that I already have. Like, I, yeah. like I'm not going to spend money on this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's Google Stadia. Um, I guess we could actually dive into to some of the the uh, the big conferences and the actual announcements from from a number of these organizations here. Who, who do you want to talk about first, David? Who what's uh, uh what, what's maybe let's maybe let's save some of the more interesting ones for the end. But let's let's uh. Oh, we don't. Let, we want to do the uninteresting ones. That yeah, sounds like yeah, Bethesda yeah, let, to let's me. Let's offer up some lambs to the um, slaughter here. <laughs> <laughs> Good God, Bethesda! The first uh, Bethesda. thirty to forty minutes of that of their presentation was just that fucking South Park meme of "We're sorry, we're sorry, <laughs> we're sorry." Yeah, like, like w- when you can with a straight face come and talk about all the cool new developments you've got going on in Fallout seventy six. Like, oof, you yeah. don't, I, you don't have much to talk about. Yeah, do you? Like- I, I think I think we <laughs> talked about some of the uh, the drama surrounding that game and just how busted and broken and miserable its launch was. There, um, there's a the there's a youtube channel like internet history um he does a really really if you're ever curious does a really really great like timeline breakdown of what went on with fallout 76 yeah and it is it it might be the most chaotic and poorly handled game release Mm mm-hmm this is in a post Battlefront Two world. Keep in mind, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> taking I, I, shots all over the place. Yeah, I, I, I remember <laughs> um, like Kotaku. You know, when they were covering a lot of stuff with Fallout seventy six, um, I, I can't remember who, who was doing the the the, the write ups on it, but but the 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 author at the end of some of their articles was like, I can't believe I had to write an article about a fucking bag for a video game. And then it would be a follow-up story. I can't believe I had to write a second article about a fucking bag for a video game. Like <laughs> a it, bag it was and a bottle. and oh, a, yeah, just, It was just a nightmare. <laughs> but anyways, so <laughs> just, just, mea culpas aside, <laughs> um, was there anything at Bethesda's conference that, that really sort of stuck out to you that, that was actually so, interesting or so things that you're going to be keeping an eye on? There actually was one yep. of the few games I wrote down mm-hmm. was actually from the Bethesda conference and it was Deathloop. Mm-hmm. Um, Deathloop, uh, it's from the people, um, behind Dishonored, which is already a, or I guess like the exact team behind Dishonored, mm-hmm. uh, which is already kind of a, a vote of confidence, I think. Um, and it seems <laughs> the thing is, I don't really know exactly how the game is going to play yeah. or exactly what the narrative is, but it had a very, very compelling trailer. And it seems like you're going to be, there's two main characters to the extent that you play one or the other. I think the impl- it, it kind of implied that you'd be playing both of them or choose to play one of the two. You like, you'd have the choice between the two of them, but um, it looks like some kind of looper situation where you, um, 
uh, need to try to kill the other character, but like the two of you are stuck in a time loop, basically attempting mm-hmm. to kill each other in various ways, and you replay and replay and replay it. That at least appears to be um, kind of the core theme of the game, and uh, and so it it got put on my list because I think that it um, it it just looked really really cool. The, yeah. I, if the, if the art style they showed is the in game art, I think it's got a very cool style. Um, it's kind of you know, grungy near future sci-fi ish kind of look, but mm-hmm. then also, you know, your, your, um, typical giant awe inspiring alien artifacts sitting on a horizon and lightly glowing kind of look as well. So I'm not, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's about, but I'm very curious. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing with a lot of this stuff at E3 is like, you'll see, not even vertical slices sometimes. And for those, those that don't know, like a vertical slice is, is very often a highly polished sort of proof of concept, uh, gameplay demo or walkthrough, right? You know, sometimes there's some smoke and mirrors kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. not showing you who's pulling the strings, you know, but behind the, the demo and like, you know, it might not necessarily turn out that exact, uh, way when, when the final game launches, but it's sort of like this, this um post that they're trying to hit right that the team is trying to get to this is this is the the marker that we're we're trying to trying to get to this is what we want um the player to sort of feel or experience um even if it's you know changes slightly in the final product and and with you know Deathloop and the next game that I want to talk about it's like these are just like cinematic trailers where you don't necessarily even get that it's more just like mm-hmm. hey here's our pitch Here's our pitch for what we want to give you. Um, and, and, you know, coming from, you know, the folks, folks at Arcane behind Dishonored, like there, there's some clips in, in the trailer of like, you know, uh, running up against a wall, uh, using, uh, different, uh, powers and a combination of weapons, which, you know, is very Dishonored-ish. Um, mm-hmm. so coming from that team, uh, I, I played through both of those games. Uh, I wasn't super hot on them, but I'm not a big immersive sim person, but, but I still enjoyed my time with them. Um, uh, so yeah, Deathloop, Deathloop looks really, really cool. Also notably, I think f- for the first time that I can remember has two prominent, um, uh, characters of color, um, mm. in, in, in yeah. the trailer, uh, that look like the main protagonists, um, which is, uh, I don't know if it's a first, but it's, it's definitely, I think, a, a step in the right direction. And, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about representation later. Um, but yeah, looks cool. Deathloop. Um, what did you, what, what did you think about, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, um, from, uh, Shinji Mikami and the folks that did The Evil Within and The Evil Within 2? Yeah. Um, that's one of the ones I forgot about. So I guess. So I guess that tells you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, it was just sort of like a, here's our pitch. Here's our proof of concept. Here's our idea of what we think this game is going to be. Yeah, I. that's the thing. I don't, it, it looks like an awesome anime. <laughs> but I have no idea how the game plays. I have no yeah. idea what it really does. If those are in-game graphics, fuck me. Yeah. Those are insane. Mm-hmm. You see, if, if any, anybody listening, go, go find the trailer for it and just like on repeat, watch, watch the, the person pull, uh, ramen noodles mm-hmm. out of the bowl. Just watch mm-hmm. that over and over and over. Very good it shot. Looks, it looks, it looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Looks like you're going to have a bow and arrow and some special powers. And I'm usually pretty into that when it comes to video <laughs> games. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, horror action games aren't necessarily always my thing, but it looks rad as hell. And I love the vibe that they're going for. Um, and, and speaking of vibes, goddamn Doom Eternal looks fucking good. <laughs> like, Doom. I know we already knew about this game, but like, we saw more and I don't want to, like, I barely watched any of the gameplay footage. I was just like, no, 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 just give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Yeah. It, uh, I, most of their, uh, presentation was just somebody playing the game, mm-hmm. which is, they're just like, yeah, we know, we know how to sell this. And they're right. That's, it looks awesome. It's just Doom 2016, but somehow they found another 11 to dial it to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess I was kind of weirdly like not, excited by it but that's just because we had already seen so so much of it already fair really so the this didn't it didn't really stand out to me um you know months ago when they were was it months ago yeah it was, it was a, like in the fall or something when we first saw when we saw our first look at the glorious glorious like chain blade shotgun and i was just like yeah okay i guess i'm getting this game and so it's such a like foregone conclusion that I'm getting this game that I'm not even excited to <laughs> like, see trailers. I'm like, yes, this is going to happen. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. Um, um, I don't, I don't know. Was there anything else at Bethesda's conference that uh, piqued your interest? I know they they showed more Wolfenstein, and I'm super jazzed for Wolfenstein Youngblood. Um, and but that's like coming out next month, which is wild. Uh, they're they're going for for some. I appreciated their their real deep cuts with commander keen <laughs> speaking of speaking of products that i'm not sure who the audience is yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a mobile game directed at kids who absolutely do not know what commander keen is in reference to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um like i barely I mean, remember commander keen and i'm like in my mid-30s uh, yeah i think i played it like one one time <laughs> when i was very very young yeah um and it was fine <laughs> you know <laughs> It was okay. Uh, you know, it, it brought us doom in a roundabout way, True. actually in a pretty direct way. Um, yeah. So uh, thank you, Commander Keen. For, thank you, Commander Keen. For doom 2016 too. <laughs> uh, I, w- I, will say, I will say this just kind of a, as a funny aside. I was watching some, some live coverage of all the uh, um, uh, press events uh, through Funhouse or Inside Gaming. Um they were playing a drinking game and one of the rules of the drinking game is you had to drink when you saw something that had already been shown somewhere else. Okay. The Bethesda conference fucked them up because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was just thing after thing after thing that you have already seen before. It was like, they were sitting there pouring out their like fourth shot and you could hear like <laughs> Requiem for a dream come on in the background. They're just yeah. like, Oh, but, but I mean, that's true. Like, like we, like they, they, all they did is say, Hey, we're still working on elder scroll six Hey, I think I don't even know if they said, "Hey, we're still working on that." Was it Starfield? Is they did the, not mention Starfield. Yeah, see, see at so, all. So which, you're right. Which was I just, was very disappointed by by the end because I was look, that was one thing I was looking forward to was mm-hmm. seeing what Starfield would be, and it, they're saving it for a console next year. Yeah, because that the, theoretically is going to be like their space Fallout, right? Yeah, is that the Fallout team or the? Well, I, I'm not entirely sure which team is is on it, but but I think that's kind of the pitch is it's going to be like a similar Skyrim Fallout style game, but yeah. in a sci-fi setting. Yeah, which 
I'm 100% in yeah. for. So yeah. I was really looking forward to that. And they, they didn't even, they didn't even mention it. So mm-hmm. that was pretty disappointing. It's funny, David, when we talked about lambs to the slaughter, you, you, you went with Bethesda when I wanted to go with Square Enix. <laughs> oh man. So they were, they were so they were so forgettable I forgot they were even there. Right? Like that was <laughs> that was just a conference about Final Fantasy and remakes that I'm kind of like okay, yeah, you're still working on this. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, on, on behalf of Shelved Games, I'd like to apologize to all the super, super diehard Final Fantasy fans out I, there who I'm are so very s- offended by what I'm we're talking so about. I'm so sorry, but it's so hard to care, <laughs> you know? I so don't... I, I could not care less. I think about- the only interesting thing that they talked about was Outriders, which is like a co-op shooter mm. um from the team that yeah. did gears of war judgment and bullet storm um yes you know that's the the people can fly team again you know no gameplay just a sort of here's our pitch type trailer um but uh i don't know we, we saw so many like hey this is a, a co-op or multiplayer style shooter with interesting characters um this but I year mean, how many pseudo open world looter shooters where i'm in a grungy dystopian sci-fi future with two of my friends can i really play (laughs) i mean don't get me wrong it it did look cool but i mean unless unless they are really 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 changing changing up the formula here i just don't know i just don't know that i'm gonna play this game yeah yeah that's 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 the monster design was cool actually (laughs) like the big old monsters those those were cool because they were they're fucked up and scary looking, but mm-hmm. um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, the Square Enix—they uh, showed us the Avengers, which they like, sure did. Oh, they God. sure did, John. I, I just—I want people to go and find that that reveal of Crystal Dynamics Avengers game. And Crystal Dynamics obviously has like a really good pedigree with like the the recent Lara Croft like Tomb Raider reboots. Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, so it's super surprising that this uh, reveal of the Avengers. I, hey, David, I don't know if you've heard of the Avengers. They're kind of like <laughs> the biggest thing on the fucking planet. Um, and this trailer Why would you was choose? yeah. It was just. Go ahead. <laughs> it was so lackluster. It was just the character. Like I understand that they can't use the um the 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 likenesses of the actors in the game that's fine you know they did the same sony did the same thing in the recent spider-man reboot right or the spider-man game rather right. um but like all of these characters were so bland like i i can't remember who i was listening to but someone on a gaming podcast i was listening to was just like yo captain america is not hot and captain america needs to be hot you know like- I, I i heard some, <laughs> i i heard somebody say that it's like they got um all the Avengers stunt doubles together to yes. make a game. Yeah. It, it, it's <laughs> like, just, I, I don't, I really like they don't. look like them, but it's mm-hmm. just not quite right. Yeah. But, but like, like that's, that's not even the worst bit. Like, like I think what's, what's, what's more damning about what they quote unquote showed off is like, I don't know what that game is. You know, they, they told yeah. me it's, and from what they've told us, it sounds like it's going to be an Anthem like that they're going to support for, quote unquote years with additional content and it's all going to be free no loot boxes etc etc yeah. but but like 
I don't know what the fuck that game is. I don't know. Yeah, like, what, I don't like, know what that means at all. Where, where, where they showed everything off, it was just like, okay, this kind of looks like a cutscene. This kind of looks like it's playable. It kind of looks like a third person action thing, but like, it just felt lifeless, you know? It did, and 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 that's the problem with using the the cinematic universe lineup of the Avengers. Like, there's other Avengers lineups you could have used, but like because we just are on the tail end of you know one of the best like received certainly probably at this point one of the most well known Avengers stories ever. Mm-hmm. You know, with the uh, End Game just being released. Uh, like, why would you release them? Why would you use the movie lineup? Mm-hmm. Like, it, there is, it, it had a real, like, even though the graphics are, were really, really good, it had this unfinished, uncanny valley feel to it because I'm looking at the Avengers and they look wrong. Yeah. Because I'm not looking at Chris Evans and I'm not looking at um, Robert Downey Jr. and I'm not looking at Scarlett Johansson, right? But it looks like I should be looking at them. So it just, mm-hmm. it looks wrong. And and it, I think that this game would have been far, far better received if they had, like, you know, just a different Avengers lineup. One of, one of the other Avengers lineup. Like, they, if they had, like, Wasp and Wolverine and shit in there. Mm-hmm. You know? It was it was somewhat disappointing. Um, I, you know, it's still early. Maybe that game will shape up, you know, in the days ahead. But I just, I don't know. I, I was going back and looking at that trailer again while, while you were talking. And I was just like, fuck, I just... <laughs> How, how how can I not like I went to Endgame like day one it released like I made sure I had my ticket for day one yeah. to go see Endgame and like somehow I don't care about this you know the, and it's I just I don't know yeah the I think yeah one of the one of the problems here is that we just saw one of like the payoff to this story you know, the end game, the infinity war saga, which was one of like, it, it was like the greatest stakes we had ever seen the Avengers deal with. Right. As far as their movie villain stakes go. So now when you look at this, it just seems like small, small time stuff. Mm-hmm. Like with the plot of this movie, which like they, you know, the plot of this game actually does seem like a, a, a fairly compelling and and as far as like Avengers superhero stuff goes like at least a different take yeah. slightly oh well, maybe not different but like more interesting than typical like one of the characters dies right um and and so spoilers i guess if you if you, if you haven't watched the trailer <laughs> like lackluster trailer yeah. but um right which is like oh okay like like seeing the Avengers deal with like you know you know the stakes finally coming home and being real for them but we just we just watched endgame we just saw yeah. the greatest stakes that they had dealt with mm. so like this doesn't seem like a big deal now yeah also i think my thing my, my big thing is like having just played through sony spider-man is like that game was so compelling and it was like like i 100%ed that fucking game because it was that good you know like mm-hmm. there there were like i i felt that there was a little too much side stuff and it kind of felt like a little bit of filler but the story was great the acting was incredible the swing felt good the combat felt good and looking at this i'm just like 
I, you, they haven't sold me, I, I think is the big thing. Like when we play, David, you and I, you know, this this Avengers game you know, next year or the year <laughs> year after. Um, actually, no, they do have a release date, May 15th. That's going to get pushed. Um, but like when, <laughs> when, when, when you and I play this game, am, am I Iron Man? Are you Iron Man? Are we both yeah, Iron Man? Like what? Is, what, what, is, yeah. what is what does that look like? You know? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's there's a lot of questions about this game mm-hmm. that I don't know if I care about the answers to. Just <laughs> <laughs> the, the sad thing. But. Yeah. Um, and speaking of sad things, uh, Electronic Arts also had a press conference um, that I couldn't find a recap for because apparently nothing happened there. Um, I know they talked um, about. I mean, they 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 announced I think some indie stuff, but but again, like I don't think they really talked about anything new. It was like DLC for The Sims, DLC for uh, Battlefield, um, uh, new FIFA stuff. You know, it, it was typical EA. You know, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Actually, I, I think I think I did actually miss the EA one because the EA one was the first one, right? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, the, I actually I did miss that one, and I didn't hear anything about it. The I only, forgot it happened until right now. Yeah, the only interesting thing was, uh, of course, uh, Respawn's uh, Jedi Fallen Order. But Oh, I did see that. Yeah. But again, like what they showed at that press conference and what I heard about that game afterward were two completely different things. Um, and, and, and to be frank, I think the trailer that they showed at the Microsoft's press conference was significantly better. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we can get into that in a little bit. Uh, do, do you want to talk about Ubisoft or Nintendo first? We can talk about we can talk about uh, some Nintendo, some Nintendo announcements. Nintendo, what did Nintendo do uh, here? They talk about some Smash stuff, new characters in Smash, uh, Banjo Kazooie, um, okay, Dragon Quest stuff. Do you care about Banjo Kazooie? No. Okay, I I don't either. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I think that there's people out there who really really care about Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. I don't da- know that I know anybody who does. David, what I'm learning about us is is that we're we're old men <laughs> who don't really care about sal- anything. This is a really salty podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it. Like, I didn't. I want everybody to know. I didn't come into this thinking I would be this salty. And it's just it's coming out of me. <laughs> uh, I mean, I thought the Dragon Quest stuff that they announced for Smash was was interesting. Um, you know, I, I know that obviously that game is massive in in Japan, um, and, and it has a bit of an audience uh, in the West, but. You know, new, new characters in Smash is always exciting for people that are really invested in that game. Um, Animal Crossing is delayed until March. Uh, sorry, Animal Crossing fans. Um, I do like their official announcement of that, though. Yeah. They were just very forward. And they were mm-hmm. like, look, we would just, we, we just one more time. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Which I appreciate. Um, some I did hear somebody point out that early 2020 does still put their release date uh, before the, the year. end of the fiscal year. Yep. Yep. So they're not being entirely altruistic. <laughs> and I bet that if it looks like it's going to be delayed past March 20, 2020, um, it's not going to be delayed past March 20, 2020. So yep. if it's not ready by then, there is going to, they are going to pull mm-hmm. out. Mm. They're they're going to be crunching. Yeah. So, but, but 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 again, but they're going to take the time that they can take. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh. But but again, like we didn't really learn too much about the new stuff that Nintendo has planned. Like they already talked about the st- stuff that we already knew about. Like Luigi's Mansion Three, they showed a lot of that. Uh, Cadence of Hyrule looks kind of cool. Um, I know some people that worked on that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So so that's obviously a, a crossover with uh, Crypto the Necrodancer and, and the team behind that game. Um. And I know N- Nintendo in the last year or two has been 
a little bit more flexible about who they entrust their properties to outside mm-hmm. of Nintendo proper. Yeah. So that's really interesting to see. So, so uh, um, I think that game is available now, actually. Um, aside yeah, from it the, is, it is yeah, out now. Yeah. Aside from that, uh, Witcher three uh, is available on everything now. Cause it's on the switch. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. They announced some other stuff that was coming to the switch that was being ported. Uh, I think the, the other big things uh, they showed off more of links awakening remake, uh, so that is a Zelda game I have not played. So I'm actually really excited to, to maybe check that out, uh, which comes out in September. Um, and I, I think they also introduced like, a like a custom dungeon mode where you can almost Mario maker esque, where you could like lay out dungeons, um, yourself in that game, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I, I'm all about, I'm all about level design tools being made public. I think mm-hmm. that's a cool thing. Um, I will say this about Link's Awakening. I don't know if there's a game that has been in development by some indie developers in Vancouver called, uh, well, Vancouver and some other places too, uh, called Tunic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been keeping, I've been keeping my eye on that. Yeah. Which if you look at Link's Awakening, which was like Tunic has been showed at PAX, you know, for the last few years um, in various states of development and its visual style is very, very much like uh, what this Link's Awakening... Actually, I should say this Link's Awakening game is very, very much visually styled after this Tunic game. And, of course, Tunic is sort of, um, you know, like uh, like Link's Awakening is kind of a top-down. You're a small character with a little sword, and it's very cutesy and with beautiful god rays and light shafts coming through, um, simply rendered, but but beautifully textured leaves um, kind of a thing. I think that Link's Awakening is going to be really great, and I mm-hmm. feel no ill will towards them. But I'm going to ask everybody out there who is interested <laughs> in this game and thinks that it looks amazing. Go check out Tunic. Please search Tunic. Yeah. It is delightful, and it is heartfelt, and the people that worked on it are great. Um, and it's going to scratch the same itch mm-hmm. as this game will. So that's what I'm going to say about Link's Awakening. Yeah. Although uh, Link's Awakening does also look really good. Yeah. And, and I think the, the team behind Tunic have, have made no, no secrets about the fact that they were obviously heavily inspired by things like Zelda. Um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I so, mean, you, you play the game and it's like, yes, this is, this is them wishing that there was an old school style Zelda game mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Uh, um, and to, to, to be frank, I don't have a Switch yet, so I'll probably play Tunic first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Aside from that, uh, I think the the big, big news um, came at the end of uh, Nintendo's uh, press conference, or rather their Nintendo Direct, and that is the fact that they are working on a sequel to uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, We don't have a name, we don't have dates, we don't have any details, we just saw a short trailer um, that looks spooky. Uh, we had we had Zelda done with a, a different hairstyle, maybe because she's so going to take on hair. more of an active role. Who knows? Um, it it, it was nice to see her and like like out together in the dungeon, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, so what did you think about uh, this big tease um, that has the internet a buzz about uh, Breath of the Wild's upcoming sequel? Makes a lot of sense. They put a lot of time and effort into the engine for Breath of the Wild. It was a major departure in a lot of ways from previous uh, Legend of Zelda titles. Um, It is interesting that they're doing a sequel. They don't really do sequels, Mm, really. mm. It's kind of funny to think about that, given how many Legend of Zelda games there are, but none of them are actually sequels. The closest one, I think, well, there is literally Legend of Zelda 2, 
that came out a long time ago and was like a side scrolling <laughs> yeah. nightmare. Um, and I guess the other closest one you could say would be like Majora's Mask mm-hmm. really was, was in a lot of ways a sequel to Ocarina of Time. Um, again, just because I think they put so much time and effort into that engine, it seemed silly not to make another game with it. Yeah. Um, since this trailer is so had kind of like a spooky feel to it, I hope that like Majora's Mask was to Ocarina of Time, this game it maybe is a little darker, mm-hmm. which is weird to say because for a Zelda game, like they're kind of some dark shit in Breath of the Wild too. But, yeah. um, but I, I I hope this is like the weird game because Majora's Mask is a weird game, and. I hope that this game is also just does some weird, crazy thing like like with Majora's Mask and the the time loops that yep. they that you had to deal with that in that game. I think that that would be really cool if they did something kind of even more off the beaten path for them uh, as a as a property. Yeah, yeah, I I really adored Majora's Mask. I I know that's maybe not the most popular opinion, but um, I I would love some existential dread with my Zelda, please and thank oh, man. you. <laughs> man, that was that was that was a, that was some dark shit for like <laughs> for young me to come yeah. to terms with. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And speaking of dark shit, y'all want to talk about authoritarianism in London? Not really, but I guess we will. Um. <laughs> uh, so, so Ubisoft uh, unveiled Watch Dogs Legion, which was leaked a little bit before um, th- this announcement. Um, but uh, I actually really enjoyed Watch Dogs 2. I thought it did a lot of really, really cool things. I thought the story it to- told was fun. Uh, I thought San Francisco was a great setting. I liked the protagonist, uh, Marcus, I think his name was. Um, but in Watch Dogs Legion, uh, which is going to be out next March, again, end of fiscal year. Uh, who knows, it might get bumped. Um, uh, the, the big difference here is sort of, uh, you know, London has taken a turn, things are getting bad, authoritarians have taken over, you know, technology is sort of suppressing the people, et cetera, et cetera, drones everywhere and cops like, you know, uh, stopping people on the street. Um, but in Watch Dogs Legion, you are not playing as one protagonist, you are playing as many. And it sounds like you can take on... Uh, any NPC into like your team of anarchists and hackers. Um, there, there are no NPCs. Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot though. (laughs) (laughs) It's an interesting concept. I think my biggest bummer when I watched this reveal and when I watched this trailer was the, uh, the fact that they maintained lethal weapons uh, be- because when I was playing Watch Dogs Two, yeah, I thought I thought one of the biggest disconnects was that Marcus could use uh, guns, you know, uh, and like I played my Marcus as nonviolent or rather as uh, non-lethal, right? I was like, I'm going to hack everything, I'm going to tase people, I'm going to subdue people, um, because that felt like it was in the spirit of like that that hacker ethos, you know, of just like, Hey, this is a good dude trying to do good things against powerful corporations. Right. And yeah, against like, corruption and injustice. Like the, like the, that group of people would kind of understand that the frontline person that they are shooting is not responsible for mm-hmm. the ills of the world. Right. Yeah. And so why would you kill that guy? Yeah. So, you know, so why would you kill the soldier? Even though the soldier is part of the regime, whatever you want to, you know, say it is you know that guy's not the one calling the shot so Mm. why would you kill him he's he's as much caught up in this as any average civilian is so Mm. 
Yeah. So, so when I saw that in, in this reveal, I was pretty bummed out. Um, but, but again, I, I think if I have the options to play through that entire game non-lethally, then I might be interested. Um, because I do, it seems like they were using a lot of tasers in that trailer. (laughs) So I think you can, I think they're definitely going for, if you haven't seen the trailer, soft spoiler, I don't know. (laughs) Like they have a little old lady yeah, and a little old lady decides to hack some people's brains with a 45. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so and I mean, they're absolutely going for the shock value and the, the, I guess this is a weird thing to say, given the content, but the fun factor mm. of, you know, this little old lady shuffling in her, you know, her, over, her overcoat and she's all hunched over and she's got her little slippers on and she's got a gas mask on too. And then she fucking puts her gun up to some soldier's head and just blows his brains out. Oh dearie, you better watch out. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're really just trying to like reinforce this idea that you can play as anyone, mm-hmm. even that old lady. She's got a gun. Yeah. I thought that the gun stuff was weird given how non gunny the UK is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I can put it that way. Yeah. Um, like it, it's not like, <laughs> and, 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 and that was my thinking- shaded America, but yeah. like guns in GTA makes sense. Yeah. Right. Like the, you know, there's, there is gun violence a lot in the United States and every, you know, you can carry weapons. And so like in the GTA games, have everybody having guns, especially when it's mob violence related stuff that makes sense in this game in the UK, for some reason that stuck out to me. Cause I was like in the UK, like not, not everybody is allowed to carry a gun in the UK. And it sounds like in this world, they're even more authoritarian. So like, mm. why would anyway? Yeah, and we we could talk about Watch Dogs Legion for for hours, but um, I don't know. Was there anything else that really stuck out to you at that at that Ubisoft press conference? Um, there's a there's a there's a few things, mm-hmm. good and bad. Um, I don't know what much to say about it, but I actually thought Gods and Monsters looked kind of kind of cute. Yeah, yeah, fun. that's um, the they haven't really talked much about that, but but it looks. It shares a lot of aesthetics to something like a uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, but but it's obviously yeah. about like the Greek pantheon and and Greek monsters and that, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's gonna uh, be it's gonna be like if if Breath of the Wild met God of War, maybe mm-hmm. we'll mm-hmm. see. <laughs> uh, again, we we really don't know much about that game, but it looks cutesy. It looks fun. Um, and speaking of games that look fun, uh, Roller Champions looks kind of interesting. Um, it, I, it's funny. I was talking to our friend Chisulo about this because uh, he was actually here visiting uh, last week. But um, he's a big Rocket League guy, obviously. He won't shut mm-hmm. up about it on the show. Um, but uh, it's funny. We, we watched this trailer and he's just like, before I started playing Rocket League, this game – would have had no, you know, I would have had no interest in it. But now, because I'm so into Rocket League, this is a hundred percent my shit. And you know, it's it's just like you know, a very simple like I think it's a three v three, you know, roller derby type game, and it it's it it shares a lot of aesthetics, uh, uh, or at least it seemingly shares aesthetics to something like a Rocket League, like even down to like the colors of the teams and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. It looks like it could be fun. Uh, I don't know if it's for me, but. Uh, interesting debut on the ubisoft stage yeah it 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 looked 
I saw that and it looks like a cross between like what's the game from Alita Battle Angel? Like the rocket ball or whatever it is. I have no clue. Anyway, it it looks like that but with Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like somebody played a whole bunch of Fortnite and then watched then went to watch the movie Alita Battle Angel and went, "Oh, I know what to do." <laughs> yeah. And they did that, which I mean it like I think it's going it has the look of something that is going to have a huge spike of popularity and then probably chill down to a good sized, but relatively core group of like hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it looks like, which is good. Like that's, that's kind of, that would be great for them if that happened. Uh, famed actor, John Bernthal brought uh, a very cute dog on stage. Um, Oh man, that dog stole the show. (laughs) Uh, to talk about ghost recon breakpoints. Uh, which the, I, the dog was the saving grace of that presentation. Yeah, I I don't really want to talk about Breakpoint because I'm just going to rant about the normalization. Of- what do you mean, John? <laughs> Are you not man enough to talk about Breakpoint? Uh, I just I just feel like if I start talking about Ghost Recon, I'm just going to rant about imperialism and interventionism and the normalizing of warmongering uh, for no, like no, John, an hour. This time they're fighting drones. It's okay. <laughs> Not just running through Bolivia uh, with absolutely no mandate. Yeah. And, and stealing from and or murdering the civilians there. Yeah. The brown civilians. The brown civilians. And this time they're actually fighting white people. So it's fine. Um, yep. Fuck me. Oh, God damn it, David. I just, I don't want to think about this game. Um, <laughs> come, come, come down. Come down, John. <laughs> uh, but something we can speak to is uh, Ghost, or sorry, not Ghost Recon, uh, Rainbow Six Quarantine, uh, which is yes. actually a, a spin out of, uh, was it actually called Quarantine in? No, it was called Outbreak. It's called Outbreak. Outbreak. It's called, well, the. Yeah, yeah, no, it was called it's called Outbreak. Mm. That's what the season was anyway. Um so so Outbreak was I, I guess a standalone mode that they trialed in Rainbow Six Siege, uh which Siege is obviously a 5v5 multiplayer game and uh Outbreak was a three player PvE um sort of zombie type game where you it, it, it was Left for Dead basically. Yeah, basically it was left you know dead. the level the levels are like it's not a horde mode necessarily. It is, you know, linear level, multi-stage um, levels where you can try to sneak in and keep the zombies quiet. But if you alert them, they will swarm you. Very Left for Dead, but with Rainbow Six operators. So it was kind yes. of a cool twist. Um, and I think the interesting thing about that is, I think when that event went away, the community for the longest time was like, Oh, don't worry. They'll bring it back. It'll come back for Halloween or it'll, it'll, it'll make an appearance with like a different skin, you know, at a later time. So it was really interesting to me to see that Ubisoft was like, no, 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 no. We have something here. We're going to spin it out on its own, uh, into a completely separate game. I am of two minds about this game. One, I loved outbreak. I, I do, we kind of talked about Overwatch before and about how like a game doesn't need a narrative to have a lot of, well, narrative basically surrounding it. Um, you know, people, any, any sort of video, especially the, the, uh, trailers and stuff that came out with Outbreak, you know, people ate those up because this was the first time in, in a lot of cases we were seeing any of these characters interact with each other, right? In cutscenes and stuff. And people absolutely loved that. Um, 
And I really love the, the operators themselves. I think that they have tons of personality given that they like only have four or five like voice lines that they might say at the start of a match. Mm. Um, and so the idea of a, of a, I loved Outbreak and the idea of a whole nother game, um, focusing on these characters, which I can only imagine is going to actually have a little bit more narrative supporting it, probably more interactions between these characters. Um, I'm going to really love that. On the other hand, I'm looking at the still image of this video and that's not Ella. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm looking at her face and like, that's supposed to be Ella and that's not Ella. Right. Like, so if they're going to change the visual style, I wonder how that's going to affect it and how it's going to affect its reception. Mm. And also like, it is going to be kind of weird if they have all the same characters and are we going to have to unlock these characters? It's going to feel weird to go into another game with the same characters and have to unlock all the characters and stuff again. So like, I'm kind of holding out to see like what form this takes exactly, but I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Like I, I, I'm, I am looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good, but. Yeah, like like the, the the trailer they showed was a cinematic trailer. It really didn't show anything of the game. So if people are kind of curious what this thing might look like when it launches, like go and look for videos of Rainbow Six Siege Outbreak, um, and that might give you a better idea of what that type of game might be. Um, and, and, and sticking also, with- why is every why is every co op game three player now? Does every <laughs> everybody just hate? People who have even numbers of friends that yes. want to play. Yes, games. absolutely. God. Um, I, I did hear a reason for this. Again, I think it was on some podcast I was listening to. Maybe it was on Waypoint or something. Um, but I guess one of the devs they interviewed, you know, they specifically asked them, like, yo, what the fuck is up with the number three? And the dev said, well, think about it like, like um, going to dinner. You can get three people together for dinner easily. Once it gets to like four or five and, you know, trying to wrangle that many people, it's just like, oh, it's kind of, you know, one person's got, got another commitment or this and that, but like three is an easy number to get together for dinner. I guess. Yeah. I, I, we, we had talked about this before, but I, you can play Diablo and with by yourself and just have people join and the enemies get tougher or more plentiful or anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can play like you, you, you can play by yourself or anywhere up to, you know, like five or six or seven people or something like that. Right. And the game just scales its difficulty to match that. I know that they could just do that is a ridiculous thing to say, because obviously (laughs) there's a lot of work that goes into that. Yeah. Um, But I mean, they could do that. Like no one was, no one was expecting this release, right? Like this is a, this was a release that they really could kind of take as much time as they felt like uh, developing. And I feel like it, you know, it, limiting it to a, to a three person squad. Um, you know, you say it's hard to get, you know, it's, it's easier to get three people to go to dinner than it is to get four people to go to dinner. But what if you have four people that want to go to dinner? Like, That's true. That's true. You know, and one person now can't play. Well, now, now I'm not going to play this game because yeah. we're going to choose a game that has four people in it. Right. So yeah, for sure. And does that mean that the game, like if the game can scale between, like, can we only play with three people? Am I going to have to matchmake here? Can I play it by myself or in a pair? Um, if I can, if I can't play it by myself or in a pair, and I have to have three people, meaning that I have to matchmake and stuff, that's going to change the tone of this game and the way I play it a lot. And if I don't have to, and I can play it by myself or as a pair or with three people, then it does scale in some way. Mm-hmm. So why not just add a fourth per anyway? Yeah. Um, 
So let's let's wrap up uh, UB's press conference with uh, the game that everyone is most looking forward to, and that is, of course, Tom Clancy's Elite Squad, uh, where you're going to be able to gotcha uh, all oh, your favorite yep. Tom Clancy heroes from Ghost Recon, from Siege, from uh, t- um, Splinter Cell, all your favorite Tom Clancy properties um, in in one fantastic mobile game package. So I I've played that game already. Oh shit, really? Um yeah. Is it yeah, out? So I, I no no, I signed up for a uh um dev build of it. Ah, okay. Uh dev like, privilege. It, I see how it I is. Wouldn't, <laughs> no, I wasn't saying dev build as in privilege. I was saying dev build as in they called it a beta and boy was it not. <laughs> um It looked like something they ripped right off one of their machines and just threw out there. But uh it plays like, uh, for anybody who actually knows what this is, it plays kind of like your typical Heroes Charge game. Um, can can, can you actually explain that? Because I think there are a lot of folks that don't necessarily know what a Heroes Charge game is. Uh, you build a team of people and you move that team of people to the left, fighting waves of enemies uh, that come by. A lot of the time, your team will auto-fight and you will be taking... Uh, your interaction with them will be uh, casting their abilities when they become available to cast. That can also be automatically done. Um, and really what you are, what the gameplay amounts to is actually team composition more than the minute to minute action of the actual uh, like battle simulation itself. Um, having said that, this game does appear to have um, some some movement uh, decisions to be made and like the, your guys will sit there and automatically fight. But of course, if I have Montaigne on my team, I can activate his thing and he basically taunts people and pulls his shield out and taunts them and like takes a whole bunch of fire while your other people are able to move up and you can kind of decide a little bit when they move up and, and how that works. Um, it was real bare bones when I played it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, absolutely would be relying on the brand recognition of the characters which is pretty good they have like when it comes to rainbow six they've got a lot of really recognizable characters when it comes to um splinter cell and such those are recognizable characters but when you're pulling out some random lieutenant bad guy from ghost recon wildlands like that's like some when your characters are too deep a cut like I don't know that that works as well. Yeah, um, it's of it's course like Sam Fisher is on all the promotional material <laughs> because he's the guy that everybody would recognize. But yeah. and, and um, it's al- it's almost as if they're uh, trying to trying to gauge interest in a new Splinter Cell game. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Actually, <laughs> um, I don't know how well Blacklist did. I thought it did reasonably well. Yeah, I think it did but, okay. Uh, but that was years ago, I guess. Now that I think about it, like God, I want a new Splinter Cell game. It would be real nice. Yeah. It would be, be nice. real nice. Um, but yeah, I think like it'll, it'll do okay. I'm definitely looking forward to um, playing it when it comes out. We'll, it, whenever it comes out, we will probably do a Monday mobile podcast on it. <laughs> um, just cause I'm very interested in the characters and, and I do like a lot of those characters. So if anything was to pull me into a game like this, it would be this. And mm. so um, I'm, Having said that, though, the hero collecting, um, like hero gotcha style of game 
is a crowded market. And there are a lot of people out there who I guarantee are doing it better than this game will ever do. Mm -hmm. So um, they are really banking on the fact that in North America, these games are not hugely popular and they're definitely banking on their brand recognition and hoping that that brings in basically a new, a new demographic of people into these kinds of games. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work out for them. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it does. Cause I think, I don't know. It'll be, it, it, I think it's going to be like a cool little game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so let's maybe wrap things up with uh, the, probably the biggest conference. Um, and, and that is of course, Microsoft's. Uh, I think it, you know, most people probably agree that they probably had the strongest showing at the conference. Uh, they showed sure, a lot of new games, a lot of new games. They talked about, you know, some, franchises that were continuing um but we didn't get a ton of news on project scarlet or what whatever the next generation of xbox is going to be um and i i think that was probably my biggest disappointment is just that, that you know they said like hey we're gonna be talking about virtual ram it's gonna be more powerful than the xbox one x and we're gonna reduce load times and you know the they they threw out a lot of buzzwords, but they didn't necessarily tell me anything about what this box is going to look like or what it's going to do. Um, and I felt that was a little bit disappointing. And you're right, you know, they'll they'll obviously have more to say when they have more to say, uh, either late this year or early next. Um, they talked a bit about XCloud, but again, not a ton. Um, I'm I'm still really hesitant about how game streaming is going to work uh, in the future. You know, we talked a little bit about Stadia. I, I don't know. Did, did you have any thoughts about uh, uh, xCloud or maybe like what they're they're planning to do with uh, their next console? I mean, it's, uh, I, I haven't given any of that stuff much more thought. I'll, I'll see it all when it comes out. Obviously everybody is, or all these companies, I guess, are, they all want their streaming services. That is absolutely the way that the industry is going. Um, and Xbox or Microsoft, I guess, um, understands that for the last couple of years, it has definitely seemed like they have understood the way that the industry is going and everything that they have done in the last couple of years, uh, related to their games pass related to X cloud, even the things that they're saying about what project Scarlet is and what it's going to be, they are just gearing up to attempt to dominate whatever the next cycle is. I think they yeah. kind of accepted a loss this time and are just preparing to come out real strong, whatever the next console cycle is. Although what console cycles are going to mean in the future, I think are going to be, is going to become less and less meaningful, but yeah. I mean, we even saw this generation with, with a, a ton of mid cycle upgrades, right? Yeah. With, with the PlayStation four pro and the Xbox one X. Um, you know, I, I know Nintendo switch has been rumored to be getting an upgrade either late this year, or early next. Um, and also a downgrade. Yeah. That, that, that too. <laughs> they, they love their downgrades. Um, so, so yeah, it, you're right. It, it'll be curious to see what even a next generation actually means, right? <laughs> Just really, really powerful NVIDIA shields. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but basically. Microsoft and or Sony branding on them. I yeah. think that that's what's coming. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about games because that's uh, the only thing. Well, actually, before we talk about games... Um, uh, I, I guess the other big news was that Microsoft just bought Double Fine. 
um, which yeah. I, th- I thought was kind of cool. Um, I-, I know Double Fine has had history with Microsoft in the past, um, like way, 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 way back. Um, so it's interesting to see uh, Microsoft sort of bring them into the fold. I don't know. What would you, what'd you think about that news, especially considering Double Fine has sort of been this very prominent voice in uh, studios that have been, you know, independent for as long as they have and making the, the, the types of sort of adventure style games that they have been in, in the last few years. I think it's fine. I think it's interesting that they would, well, that they would be bought. I mean, that implies that they kind of needed the money or, or found uh, something about Microsoft's current or plans for future distribution advantageous for them, mm-hmm. right? Being bought by a larger company means that you are inviting outside input um which is always very concerning but they you know must have balanced that and and figured that it would be okay um i think as long as tim schafer's around they'll probably just let it you know be whatever it is Mm -hmm. um so i hope he stays around (laughs) because otherwise i think double find is going to become whatever microsoft wants it to be um but yeah i mean i i i saw that and just kind of went oh that's it's interesting i wonder how they're going to use that yeah for sure you know like it it is weird because like their 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 products i think have the brand recognition enough that if they released it you know on all consoles and steam or something like that that you'd think they would get enough traction to have a like a good profitable release mm-hmm. so so i i do wonder what um they're getting out of the deal from microsoft that led them to believe that they need basically microsoft's money and microsoft's backing yeah i'm, I'm curious if there's something specifically about this next generation or specifically about project x cloud that has double fine sort of saying yes we want to get in on the ground floor of this mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see to see what what uh, what pans out in the next couple of years with that that uh, partnership. Um, so yes, let's talk about games. Um, was there anything that sort of jumped out to you aside from sort of the big things like uh, Minecraft Dungeons, uh, a, a Diablo take on Minecraft, <laughs> which which I thought was kind of a, a, a maybe a, not necessarily an unwelcome surprise, but definitely a surprise. I don't know. It's just, it's just like, let's just take Minecraft and and make it everything. This is the, this is the angry birds effect kind of right. Where it's just a brand that is so recognizable um, that you might as well make a version of it for anything. Despite the fact that like the art style was never what people liked about Minecraft. So Mm. it's weird that like, that's the thing that is, that is staying consistent here throughout all of this i mean if i didn't know this is minecraft and i looked at this you could easily convince me that this was some other pixel dungeon game there might actually literally be a game out there called pixel dungeon yeah i bet if you searched pixel dungeon something would come up and it would look a lot (laughs) like this um so i don't know kat and i just started the latest uh diablo reaper of souls season and i'm happy with that so this didn't move my pulse at all (laughs) <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Um, aside from that, um, you know, they're making a new Blair Witch game. Cool. Um, that I was pleasantly, I'm not going to play it, but I, I saw that. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, interesting. Because I, I watched that. I was just like, 
huh, it'd be funny if this was like a Blair Witch game or something. And then they announced that. I went, oh. <laughs> uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator is back for all you flight sim nerds. And it looks like it'll be the real deal um, and, and sort of give you everything you want in your uh, in your flight sim uh, fantasies. I mean, it is a it is a an industry veteran. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. a mainstay of gaming. Yep, um, absolutely. Not for me, but I understand that the people that love this game absolutely love it because, mm-hmm. as far as I understand, after playing this, if you are a dedicated player of this game, you actually have a very reasonably accurate understanding of what it takes to fly mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. large planes. Yeah, like like um, I've, I've which heard is super pe- cool. <laughs> I've heard of people who like fly planes who use it to practice. You know, yeah. So that's awesome. So they're sitting here saying like, okay, we're gonna do this game again, but everything's gonna be photorealistic. Sweet. Yeah, that yep. sounds that sounds great. I think that the people who love this game are gonna absolutely love it. I think that their player base is going to stay the exact same <laughs> as it sure. always has, yep. and yep, it yep. always will, and that's great. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. Um. Bleeding Edge is going to be the new game from uh, Ninja Theory, so the folks behind uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, which I actually really enjoyed. Um, and it sounds like this is the game that they wanted to make, but realized they didn't necessarily have the resources for, and they kind of doubled down on, on Senua's Sacrifice um, to make that as best they could and get it out and sort of generate some funds so that they could keep working on Bleeding Edge. Uh, but, you know, character, action multiplayer game very stylistic um you know stop me if you heard this one it's got all kinds of characters different shapes and sizes and i'm sure you're gonna be able to buy tons of cosmetics for them um <laughs> looks like yes yeah yeah uh basically uh, looks like another one of those it appears and this is the thing that i thought was kind of interesting it appears that um, though there is some ranged attacks and abilities, it is pretty much a melee fighter. Yeah, which was kind team, of kind- a team melee game. I think is is cool. I'm really curious to see how that plays and if it just turns into a big dog pile. Yeah. Or, um, I mean, I'm 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 sure at a any sort of reasonably high level of play, there's going to be all kinds of of. I, basically, I want to watch somebody stream this because there's no way way I'm going to be as good enough to play it like that. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I introduce you to a game called For Honor? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I played a little bit of For Honor, but but I'm not necessarily sure if this is going to be the same thing because For Honor definitely felt more like a fighting game where you would square off against an opponent, even though you were sort of in the midst of all this chaos. Yeah. Like, g- given the chaos, it actually played. Kind of, kind of weirdly slowly, mm-hmm, actually, mm-hmm. right? Because it was very much about your stance and your angle. Yep. There's almost a rock, paper, scissors sort yes. of feel to the way that you fought. That doesn't, that's not what this looks like. This looks very, well, I, I guess I don't know. It looks a lot faster. It looks like this is a game where maybe, like with some characters, I might be mashing, you know, the keys mm-hmm. to get my punch off or something like that. Yeah. Uh, which is very much not what you would do in For Honor. Yeah. Uh, uh, Xbox uh, or Microsoft rather showed off a, a ton of uh, indies as well. 
Um, probably way too many to, to, to list here, mm-hmm. um, but they have some good breakdowns um, on their YouTube channel. Um, they talk a little bit more about Game Pass and like as the, as they keep talking about Game Pass, I'm more and more I'm kind of like, man, this sounds like a really good deal. Um, they announced yeah. that Xbox Game Pass was going to be launching on PC as well. Um, they're also going to be bundling it uh, on console with uh, their Xbox Live service. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just, you know, they, they keep just being like, oh yeah, all, all these games, you know, they're, they're going to start coming out on X, Xbox Game Pass. And if you keep up your subscription, you'll have access to them. Um, so yeah, it just keeps sounding like a better and better service as, as they keep working on it. I, um, I had Xbox Game Pass for a little while. Um, they had a deal where you could, uh, it, it was a trial, basically. You could have a, you could have it on a trial for 14 days. Um, and at that point, Sea of Thieves had just launched. Right. And I wanted to play Sea of Thieves, but I didn't really feel like paying for Sea of Thieves. So I just did a trial of Xbox Game Pass, played Sea of Thieves for 14 days, which was the perfect amount of time to play Sea of Thieves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did actually like, I, I did get rid of it uh, after the time went up, but I, I, that was just because of the backlog of games I already had that I hadn't played yet mm-hmm. really because otherwise I probably would have kept it going. It you have like they they give out a lot of games for free on that thing. Um so I don't know. It's a it's a pretty good deal. I'm 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 okay with I know that there's there's some people that are not okay with the subscription things and this idea that you're never owning your games truly or your music or your movies or wherever you buy your subscriptions from, but I don't know. I, I I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm very excited to see what what they end up doing with it uh, in the days ahead. Um, they showed a little bit more of Gears Five uh, for for those of you that are into Gears. Um, I, I don't miss know. Gears. <laughs> I we- like. And I know it's still here and it's still coming out and somehow I still miss it. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I'm not going to get this game. I know I'm not, I'm not going to play it. So I feel bad for saying that I miss it cause I could just play it, but I guess I just, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe, I used maybe, to play a lot of gears. Yeah, maybe it's just like, like a nostalgia oh, nice. for, for I think it is just a nostalgia thing. Yeah. Younger, younger days. Speaking of that, Halo. <laughs> Halo Infinite. They showed us a, a fancy trailer and no gameplay, uh, which uh, is I always make, frustrating. I didn't expect that. Yeah. Um, the Halo Halo trailers are have, for their entire history, been pretty notorious about not showing you really any gameplay until mm-hmm. basically directly before the game comes out. Right. Um which I don't know. I'm okay with. I'm guessing it's going to be a first-person shooter. Probably you'll have an assault rifle. Like, what Safe gameplay bet. do they really Safe need bet. to show yep. me? Because they're not going to show me the overall. Like, the difference that's going to be here is the overall kind of meta systems of the game, mm-hmm. right? And that's not going to come out in a trailer, really. So, um, this one sounds like you're. They want to make it, if not open world, something very akin to open world. Mm-hmm. And that on your Halo, on the Halo ring, it seems like it's going to kind of be a live service. Like it's going to be a game that will continue on and on and on. I mean, with, sort of with a, a name like Halo Infinite. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that they're being super subtle about their plans for this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see 
what that looks like. We don't actually officially even know a price. This could be a games as a service model. Yeah, that's for, very true. Uh, um, for Halo, which is something that might, I can't think of one right now, but every game company kind of wants its destiny. It's mm-hmm. whatever kind of a thing. Right. And I don't know that Microsoft really has one. And, and considering it's going to be launching with uh, whatever the Xbox Scarlet, uh, winds up being yeah that kind of makes sense yeah yeah this is going to be the flagship game that they're going to launch with it it's yeah. going to be a games as a service thing very likely and it's going to be the thing you play forever on this console that will last forever in some sort of form yeah Infinite. <laughs> uh the thing that i was most excited about was uh was it was leaked before the conference um but uh that is the team up between hidetaka miyazaki uh who is most infamous for the dark souls franchise uh mm-hmm. and, you know from from software and uh george rr R. martin of game of thrones fame uh and they have they have teamed up for a game called elden ring uh which again doesn't really show us anything it's more of like a mood setting type trailer uh but i am 100 percent for you know here for for whatever miyazaki and martin have have in store so i've um i've never played a um from wait what are they called from soft from software yeah from software. Okay. I, I've never played one of their games before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw this announcement uh, and my first thought was, so you're just not even trying to finish Game of Thrones then, huh? <laughs> like you, you're just, you're just working on other shit then. Yeah. I guess. Cool. Spinning a lot of plates. <laughs> Which, <laughs> yeah, really great for all you people who are looking forward to this game. I think that that's going to be like, I think, um, uh, I I've, I have watched a lot of uh, Let's Plays and a lot of videos on Dark Souls. Um, Dark Souls, I think the way that those games have told their stories is very interesting. It's a real read-in-between-the-lines kind of way of doing narrative. Yeah. Um, and one of, I think, George R. R. Martin's strengths is kind of is world-building. I think that he builds a very interesting world. Mm-hmm. Um when you read his books, a lot of the characters um, read very, very uh, real and very complex and their relationships are complex Mm. um, between each other. So I think that a collaboration like that should yield some very interesting, if nothing else results. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would say the same thing about Miyazaki and his team over at From Software is that they are very, very good at world world building. So Mm -hmm. to see them collaborate in that regard, I think is going to be very interesting. Um, So yeah, uh, we'll just have to sort of stay tuned and and see what they have in store. Uh, But a game we already knew was coming out, but also probably stole the show uh, was uh, Cyberpunk 2077, which got the game steal the show. Well, it or got did a release Keanu date. steal the show? It was Keanu Reeves's <laughs> show. It was his show, and we are all living in Keanu's world now. I'd like to point out that, like, as far as this entire E3 conference went, uh, Keanu Reeves got equal attention to an adorable pit bull. <laughs> like, that's how much we all love Keanu. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I, I was 100%. Like, I was 
super shocked at the end of that um cinematic trailer that they showed off when like it was it was a solid reveal yeah like your character (laughs) is all fucked up and like their systems reboot they open their eyes and um keanu is there whose character if i'm not mistaken is johnny silverhands uh who, (laughs) who is a who is a prominent character from the original cyberpunk 2020 pen and paper rpg um so he's playing this character and you know your character pans up and there he is keanu and he's like fucking like hey we got a lot of a lot of work to keep a lot of work to do or whatever he says city to burn there you go wake the fuck up samurai we have a city to burn Thank you. All right. All right. I got to talk to you about something. <laughs> I mean, we got to talk to you about something. CD Project Red. Cyberpunk 2077. All right. A while back... The guys from CD Projekt Red approached me and asked me to be a part of their new project, Cyberpunk 2077. They were going on and on about how they'd create this vast open world with a branching storyline, how you'd be able to customize your character through in-game choices. And it's not something I knew before, but I was excited by. And I'm always drawn to fascinating stories. Cyberpunk (laughs) is set in a metropolis of the future where body modification has become an obsession. You play as an outlaw, an enhanced mercenary working in the sleazy underbelly of the city. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, but let me tell you, the feeling of of being there, of walking the streets of the future, is really going to be breathtaking. You're breathtaking. You're breathtaking. You're all breathtaking. Also, I heard, and I don't know if this has been confirmed or not, but I heard that Keanu Reeves has the second most uh, like amount of dialogue in the game, only next to the player character. So... I had heard that too, and and I just want to tell everybody before I say this, I I love Keanu. You don't need to to believe that I don't love Keanu when I say this. I think it's going to be weird that he's in the game that much. Yes, because he's not going to be I, Johnny Silverhands. He's going to be Keanu. Yes, like Keanu is in the game. <laughs> like if he if he was, I think it would be really really great if he was voicing a character. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit much that 
he is the character because I'm only going to see, I'm not by the end of the game. No, like when people talk about this game, they're not going to talk about Johnny Silverhands. They're going to talk about, they're going to call him Keanu. Oh, hundred percent. When they talk about this game. Yeah. And I think no that that's going to be a, I like, I really hope it, he doesn't end up being this fourth wall breaking kind of distraction mm-hmm. from the game. I don't think he will be. But I really hope that that's not the case. Yeah, I, I guess it's going to be hard to tell until until that game comes out. Um, and, you know, I, I think CD Projekt Red had a bit of a rough week because, you know, they, they there was a few fumbles. You know, if we look back in, in their past, they, they had some um, stuff on their social media channels. Um, yeah, that, they that need were- to lock down that Twitter yeah, I, I think I, I think it's been dealt with since you know if if I'm not mistaken they they had one account um uh, tweet a sort of transphobic joke um you know they, they've they've been fairly critiqued I think on representation and um sexism and you know just this this last week at E3 they they had a, a piece of of key art from uh from a screenshot that that um, depicted a trans woman in a less than flattering light. And I think, you know, I think I saw that one. Yeah. It was was like an advertisement on a wall. Yes, exactly. Um, You you can find it if you, if you want to go look it up, but like, I think, uh, I think it, I am hesitant because CD project red has sort of demonstrated a pattern of, of not handling this stuff well in the last year. And, I will reserve judgment until the game is out and people get their hands on it and can sort of see it in all its context. Um, but I think it is it is very difficult to say sort of say like, hey, this stuff is satire w- without you know you having shown us that you've done the work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so I think CD Projekt needs to a like you said get a handle on their fucking uh, <laughs> messaging. Um, and B, show us that they can do this in good faith, right? Because yeah. cyberpunk and satire is only good when it is punching up and not when it is punching down. Um, and, and so, again, I'm very hesitant uh, about what they end up doing in, in uh, 2077 when, when it eventually comes out. And then, like, that's not to say that I'm, like, also not incredibly excited for the game. Like, I absolutely love The Witcher 2 and The Witcher 3. Um so I will wait to pass judgment, but I think it's also important to talk about this stuff stuff as it comes up because it it is um, important to hold people's feet to the fire when, when when they do misstep. Yeah, when when it comes to when it comes to this game, I I kind of was on Twitter after this was released, and I I saw a lot of threads, um, talking about uh like the representation of trans people in cyberpunk and in this game. Mm-hmm. And they kind of brought up something that seems so obvious now, but I, ha- I really hadn't thought about, which is that um, cyberpunk as a genre is really a very inclusive uh, queer focused kind of genre, right? It's all about um, uh, like, extreme personal expression and in some cases body modification and like changing yourself to be the person that you feel you are, you know, inside in, in some ways. And so to take something that is, is like that and then not represent, you know, trans people or, or queer people in general kind of in, in the right light in a game like that, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I saw a lot of people taking a lot of, um, issue with that. 
Um, so yeah, when the game comes out, I guess we'll ha- we'll kind of have to see how they handle that. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but yo, I'm excited. Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I mean, it's, he- <laughs> it's still Keanu. Keanu, like he, he's he's just he's just the the nicest boy. He's so freaking charming. Um, and and it's hard not to not to to love him. Um, I, I don't know. Was was there anything else for, from E three that uh, really caught your eye? Maybe maybe something that we missed or or something that that you're watching out for. Something that that's on your list. Not really. No, I think we I think we covered most of it. Actually, okay. we covered a lot. This is a long yeah. podcast. Ugh, this show's long. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be Ugh, tough to edit. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that kind of touches on on most of the big stuff. Um, I, I was going to bring up this, this, um, this article over at Wired, um, the, the folks at Feminist Frequency teamed up with Wired to talk about, uh, female representation in, uh, in video games and specifically at E3. What, what I think I might do is I'll, I'll just link this in the show notes so people can check it out. Uh, I think they're doing really terrific work again, sort of holding people's feet to the fire and talking about these, these aspects of, of representation, um, in, in, uh, this medium that, that we love. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely link that in the show. Um, but, but overall, David, after now that we've all got it out there on the, on the table, what, what were your thoughts about E3, about the games that were shown, about the companies that were, that were out there? Um, what, what were some of your big tech takeaways? I think, I think we've kind of talked around it a, a little bit in that this is a, this is a holdover year. This is a, this is a year of everybody kind of preparing for what's going to come next year. I think next year is going to be a major year for all kinds of different reasons. Um, I think that the consoles that are going to we are getting hints and rumors and some weirdly specifically non-specific press releases about what the gaming industry is going to look like in the future. And I think that it is next year that we're going to see uh, really how that's going to start to shake out. Um, I think Microsoft, after kind of a soft performance this generation, I think the Xbox One, like at the end of the day, has sold abysmally. Yeah. Um, com- certainly compared to the other consoles. Um, but I think that m- my guess is that um, in the coming years, they are going to they are going to come out strong. I have no idea what the fuck Google is doing with the Stadia. <laughs> I think that Google, I mean, Google, like everybody's talking so excitedly about the Stadia. I would also like to point out that Google is the same company that like somehow just, just creates four, all different, the, all of its four different chat clients. Yeah. And like, I don't know which one I'm supposed to use. And then they just like, yeah, they yeah. abandon projects and stuff because they just have the fucking money to do it. Yeah, Google, we'll see what Google does with this. Google wants to create their own internet. It's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. I can see them using this as a way to lead into that. Like, oh, your pro membership or like your subscription to the Google ISP um, gets you this pro membership as well kind of a thing to Google Stadia yeah. and that and that kind of thing. And they're, and they're going to use that to, to pull people into their environment. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Bethesda, I don't know what's going on with them. <laughs> I wish I did because it sounds like they might have some cool stuff, but they yeah. also have some really not cool stuff. Yeah, I, I think I think my big big takeaway is is everyone wants subscriptions. Everyone wants yeah. to be the Netflix of games. Everyone obviously wants a games as service. That's you know that's nothing new. That's that's been the case for the last five years. Um, but now they're really really doubling down on it. 
And I think it's almost like unless you are a naughty dog or, you know, uh, a similar type studio, like I sincerely doubt you're going to be able to get some sort of big, massive triple A narrative, single player focused game out the door. Um, and, and I really f- feel that those experiences are going to be moving to like the, the indie space or like the, the double A, you know, uh, developer and publisher type space. Um, which, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not necessarily bummed about that because, you know, at the top of the show, we basically talk about the fact that I don't play those fucking games anymore. <laughs> um, but so, I still so want them to be there. I still want them to exist. Um, so yeah, I, I think the industry is in a very, interesting state of flux as it prepares for what that next thing is yeah is it streaming is it 4k like what what is that next thing going to be like because right now they're just like loading times are going to be faster i'm like yo i play on a pc i don't give a fuck about loading times like what what are you actually going to do to make our experiences within this medium different or better you know um and I think that's sort of my big takeaway. Also, I think E3 doesn't matter anymore and everyone should just do fucking Nintendo Directs. But that's yep. just, that's For just my take. Sure. <laughs> For sure. There's no, there's, there's no real purpose to it. Other, I guess it's nice as a consumer that it's all very close together. Yeah. That, that is one thing that I like about it, that it is, all of it happens very close together. It, that's not advantageous for the, uh, uh, developers. But I, as a consumer, I really like it because um, it's a th- everybody's kind of talking about it a little bit. Um, sort of the gaming community in general comes together a little bit to talk about all the things that happened. I like that aspect of it. Um, but there are, I don't know, there there are other things that could that could take its place, you know. And and if everybody just taught, you know, if every other month, you know, was you know, in July, it's the Microsoft presentation. And in August, it's this, you know, Sony presentation. And in mm-hmm. September, it's the Nintendo. Like, that would be okay, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, that was E3 <laughs> 2019. <laughs> from from two guys who apparently are just way too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, ain't that the truth? Um, <laughs> uh, well, David, thank you so, so much for, for hanging out with me on this absurdly long um, episode, which I guess is just going to be the norm now. We're just not going to have podcasts for like two months, and then we're just going to put <laughs> out one that's like... Dump yeah, of info. Yeah, basically. Um so, so before we close out the show, do, do you have any non-gaming recommendations that you want to make to the, to the folks at home? Anything that you've been spending time with that you, that you think has been interesting? To fill the void that Game of Thrones left in all of our lives, mm-hmm. um, uh, Kat and I just finished watching Chernobyl, which is a miniseries, uh, HBO miniseries. You can watch it on Crave TV, another subscription service, since we're just talking all about those. Um Chernobyl is a, it is just kind of a dramatic reenactment of the Chernobyl um, uh, catastrophe. I was about to say accident, but that's really doesn't cover what yeah, happened they're selling it a little um, bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obvi- obviously it is a, a dramatic retelling. Uh, so they do take some creative liberties here and there. Um, but for the most part, it is a pretty accurate representation of, 
uh, the major beats of what happened there. And given that you know how it ends and you kind of generally know about the story, it is very compelling. It's very intense to watch. Um, mm. I really enjoyed it. It's only five episodes. We we're just talking about how we apparently just hate media commitment of any kind. It's only five <laughs> episodes. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> uh, you can watch it. It's, it's just a short little mini series, but it was very good and very well done. And I kind of appreciate that it was just a mini series. Um, mm-hmm. I don't need things to go on forever. Yeah, anymore, for sure. I think unless it's my session based gaming, um, <laughs> that I do want to go on forever. Um, and other than that, actually, there is one more thing I want to talk about, uh, gaming related. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it underneath other recommendations, but it is gaming related. The Assassin's Creed story creator mode for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Right. That, that's, um, that's also something that they announced at, uh, their press conference. Yeah, they did, really they did announce that there. Um, very simple drag and drop flow chart style mission creation tools. Um, they are very, very fun to work with. That was actually the thing that I was absolutely the most excited about at mm-hmm. that came out of E3. I like, I saw that and I went, that looks awesome. And I watched a video and I went, that looks super awesome. And then I got my hands on the tools and I was like, Oh, this is cool. <laughs> um, so, uh, Anybody can just go to the website and start creating missions. If you have a Uplay account, uh, you are going to obviously need Assassin's Creed Odyssey to actually play the missions. Yeah. Um, but anybody can create missions. Anybody can put publish them and put them into the game. Um, and the tools are pretty in-depth. You can make pretty well, you know, any kind of mission in that you want. Write all the dialogue, branching storylines. All the tools are there if you want them make short little fetch quests or kind of like long ranging multi-step uh narratives i've only jumped in it a little bit and made a couple like test missions just simple kind of like lock and key um missions uh but it's been really fun and really rewarding yeah that that, that's pretty cool that like ub is confident enough to just be like here are our tools like here is (laughs) what we use to make assassin's creed and now there is like a consumer facing um version of that um that that anyone can access want to want to emphasize that it's a version i i have a i have a <laughs> i have a friend who works at ubisoft i was like so are these actually your tools and he's just like man those look so much nicer than our tools <laughs> i'm like right we're in game development all of our tools look like they are made for windows 98 so yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, that's, that's so- too funny yeah, this is pretty funny. Obviously, their tools like are, are much more in depth in their in their mm-hmm. functionality. But I'll tell you, game game tools don't look pretty. <laughs> they just really, really don't. Uh, my recommendations are pretty simple. Uh, I, I did mention sort of the the, the representation aspect of things earlier, um, so I'm going to recommend a short YouTube series. Uh, more, more of a YouTube essay that's been broken up in, into like a number of parts. Um, and that is, uh, uh, an essay called Bringing Back What's Stolen. Um, and this is, uh, from, uh, the folks over at Innuendo Studios. Um, and really it is a dismantling of the typical tropes that women fall into as action heroes in movies. And mm. all done through the lens of uh, Mad Max Fury Road, 
Um, so that that's sort of their touchstone. The, 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 he he draws right. a lot of a lot of examples from other f- film and 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 other uh, genres um, and, and other projects. But but Mad Max Fury Road is sort of like their touchstone that they they keep going back to. Um, and, and he kind of like tries to break down a, a number of these. Uh, female action star tropes um, that, that we typically see in, in popular media. Uh, so, so I'll link that in the show notes because I think it's actually a really, really good watch. You just mentioning Mad Max Fury Road in my head. I'm like, I think I know what they might be talking about. <laughs> that would be, that I, I, I'm going to listen to that. That would be really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll link that. Um, but anyways, I think that's going to do it for our massive E3 breakdown. Uh, if you have Oof. questions or you want to weigh in on some of the best stuff that you saw at E3 or maybe the things that you were disappointed by or things that uh, you're looking forward to, a good place to do that is on the Shelf Games Discord server, or you can send us emails, shelvgames at gmail.com. And of course, you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts, uh, shelvgames.com slash podcasts, or find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher, uh, where you can subscribe. And please, please, please rate and review the show. That really helps us out. Uh, follow us on Twitter at shelvgames. I'm at John underscore tab. And you can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Just search for shelvgames there. And music for the show is by Zed Ion, who you can find on SoundCloud. Uh, David, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me uh, on my website, dsmilne.com. Um, access to uh, a podcast I do, the Monday Mobile Podcast, and some of my game projects are on there. Uh, and at David Malin <laughs> on uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram and such as well, if, if, if that's more to your social media liking. Awesome. Uh, you got to get that, uh, that brand, uh, synergy down, my friend, man, I, it's the dry run, the dry run stream and the Monday mobile podcast. And I don't even have my name spelled right <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram. That was like a legit spelling mistake, by the way. <laughs> oh, like no. I, I was locked out of my Twitter account for eons because I was like, I like, I just made it David Milne. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, why isn't this correct? <laughs> and it was, I had made actually a different Twitter account. And then years later, like literally years later, I looked at it. I was like, oh, it's David Malin. I switched the um, I and the L. It's very difficult oh. to see. Because I was very surprised. I was like, I got David Milne as a handle. Nobody else had this. <laughs> Somebody else had it. Yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. David Malin. Anyway. Anyway. Um, you know, <laughs> su- su- such is life when we live our lives online. Um, I don't even want to think about the, the plethora of email accounts that I have. Um, but what was uh, anyways, your first email? Uh, oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Iceman fifth at hotmail.com because fifth, like I, f- number five, five th, th. Be, because I was just like, I want Iceman because Iceman in the comics is cool. Also ooh. Top Gun. <laughs> and I was like, so I'm going to, I'm going to use Iceman. And then I was like, oh, Iceman is taken, so I'll use a number. And then I tried a bunch of different number combinations, and they were all fucking taken. So I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll put a number and a TH after it, and it'll work. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that was a bad email account. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's it for our massive E3 recap for 2019. Uh, I hope to do more regular shows, uh, in the days ahead since my, uh, summer has started to calm down a little bit. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to come and 
talk about them games. Uh, and that is going to be it for this uh, this week, folks. And until next time, go and grab a game off the shelf because you never know what you're going to find. Should we do this thing? Do this darn let's, thing? Let's start a podcast. I guess we've been recording this whole thing. <laughs> this whole time. Um, It'll be good good fodder for the, the post the post yeah, music yeah. stinger. A- anything that's not incriminating or subject to an NDA is fair game. Yep. Or overly embarrassing to the individual <laughs> who may or may not have said it. Yes.